Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. The fucking son sucks i don't know what you people see in the sun i don't know how you people do the sun it's it's just the dirt worst i want nothing to do with it i'd be content never going out in the sun again and rich crage it's the dumbest show i cannot believe these people some people pay us ten dollars to listen to the show live this is what we give them for 45 minutes been doing this for 10 years why ever bigger than ever more people listen to us than ever than ever why And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you? Go play. It's been played. Yeah. Wow. I didn't hear it. Yeah. No, it played. Retro. May 2022. Retro. Retro podcast uh, intro there. The You Hate the Sun. And I think the show's dumb. So <laughs> it's pretty consistent with uh, what we've been doing for 10 years. Yeah. The, the, the classic intro from last year. Sticks with, you know, people love the sun rant. People love, we, we, we have listeners that are very, very divided on, or, or I, I wouldn't say divided. I would say almost equally <laughs> so um, in terms of the sun thing. It's, 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 there's a lot of people that agree with you that everybody is anti-sun and the sun stinks and you don't understand about the sun and other people that, that think you're a nutcase and the sun's great and stuff. So, and, and that, that honestly, a- it works for this show because I think the sun's great. I think it's fantastic. And you would be, as you said in the intro, perfectly content never being in the sun again. Yeah, there, there's a lot of people who hate the sun. Like, I don't think I'm a weirdo necessarily for that. No, too. no, certainly not. No, you you are not on an island as the as the kids would say in terms of the uh, yeah, um, yeah. The, the the no sun thing. And but some people will present it as if you are. Where where I get it, I I, I am very pro sun. I enjoy the sun, but but I, I understand that there are those people. Uh, and and you're not you're not alone. Several people. Uh, do not like the sun. It's probably healthier to not like the sun because uh, a lot of things can happen if you uh, enjoy the sun too much. But uh, you know, it's, it's okay. You need that vitamin D sometimes. So I like the sun. You need a little. You need a little bit of sun. You can't. You can't go with zero. Sun. <laughs> well, you said you'd you, be perfectly content never being in the sun again. Yeah, I mean, but that's like a prolonged, like a prolonged sun hang is what you're saying. Like I'm not gonna go hang out in the sun. Like you gotta, it's gotta crack through the windows. Or you're not like a shut in. Is I guess what you're trying to say, right? No, nah, I mean, look. You do have to get a little bit, you know, that natural sunlight for whatever fucking vitamin that is. D. D is the vitamin. Yeah. You know, but you know, do I want to ever be in the... No, I don't ever want to be in the sun. I mean, you know, sun's brutal. You sweat. You burn. You squint. It's all very uncomfortable. <laughs> well, sun. have sunglasses for that. So you yeah. can, you can do it's... Uh, I don't wear sunglasses. I've never worn sunglasses. You've never worn. Well, sunglasses. that's why you don't like the sun. Wear some sunglasses. Yeah. Get some sunglasses, pal. What are you talking about? 
Uh, listen, You've never I'm, worn, never, never in your life have you put sunglasses on. Is what you're saying? Not one time. Not one time ever in your life have you put sunglasses on. You're serious? No, like not for real. Like I never wore sunglasses and then went about my day. No. You've never driven with sunglasses. Not one time. Not no, one not time. Driven. What are you doing no. in the sun? What do you do? You just stare at the sun while you're driving. It's like I said, I don't like the sun. That's why I don't want to be in <laughs> what it. What do you do if you're driving and it's sunny? I'm sure it's sunny there just, in Texas sometimes. What do you What are you doing as you're driving into the a setting sun or a rising sun? What What are you What are you doing there? You pull the visor down. Uh, that's I, I enough. That That's enough for you. S- squint. <laughs> well, you don't have um, to. You just wear sunglasses. I, I I'm uncomfortable about accessories. Okay. I, I don't. We, we need to let's unpack. We need to unpack this a little bit. Watches. Yeah. Watch. Yeah. You're, you're a no watch guy. I've never worn a watch. No, never worn a watch. Okay. No, not I even as like them. a child. You didn't, you don't go to a wedding and there's like a special watch you'll put on for a wedding or what? Never zero. No, I was always very uncomfortable with watches from a young age. And I've just never worn a watch, not decorative and certainly not for function. I mean, there's, you know, what is this? 1850. I have to pull out my <laughs> pocket watch to that's a good, oh, look, it's a quarter. It's it's a quarter to nine. No, I, I just look at your fucking phone. You don't even, you know. But I understand people wear them to go with their, you know, you know, for style. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. Right, I can't. Right. I would wear them for style. I'm not opposed to that, except I don't like how it feels on my skin. I can't. I'm. I'm I can't wear accessories. That's fair. Yeah. You, there, you, you, there's I don't times think where caught. I get dressed. Yeah, there's, go ahead. there's times where I get dressed and I'm like, you know what? I, this would look good if I had a nice watch. Right, right. But when I you go can't... to, a, I, I have a few, like, because normally, I, and we'll, we'll unpack this in a moment. I uh, do have a watch that I wear every single day, but it, you, you're, you'll make fun of me for it in a bit and we'll, we'll get to that. But when I go to like a wedding or whatever, I have like three watches that are in my rotation of like, okay, I'm going to a wedding or I'm going to something where I have to dress up. So I put this dopey watch on. Now, the problem is, most of the time that watch is not like functional at this point because I haven't worn it in like, you know, seven months or whatever. And maybe the battery's shot. And I'm like, eh, no one's going to notice that the time's wrong. And I'm not going to, as you said, I'm not going to look down and go, oh my goodness, look at the time because <laughs> I'm going to just look at my phone or someone will have the time or someone will tell me the time. I'll, I'll be able to get it. I'll be, I'll be just fine. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just, but I do have those to the side because they do, they do put a, a, a nice suit together. A, a good watch puts a nice suit together. I, I will say that for sure. I wish I could wear them. I just I I can't do accessories. Insert uh, advertiser that recently advertised on us in the last year uh, related to watches, but they're not advertising this show, so I'm not going to say their name. But if you go back and listen to a show from uh, six months ago, yeah, maybe you'll you'll be able to know my uh, watch brand of choice, Joe. I got to pay the big bucks yeah. for for that ad this time though. They're done. I mean, no jewelry. I've never worn jewelry. I thought I was really going to struggle with a wedding ring. I thought that was going to be a major problem, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. I chose the lightest one I could possibly like. I'm not one of these guys that has some big, giant, thick. I know black is in. The big, yeah, thick, yeah, the big, black thick black one. Ring. Yeah, they probably weigh about half a pound. Like I, 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 I probably would struggle with that. I just picked the lightest gold one I could find and it doesn't really bother i i fidget with it i actually play with it I'm a, I'm a, yeah I, I get in trouble for that all the time i take it off i'm spinning it on the table i'm bouncing it yeah <laughs> it's just like what are you doing it's like well, you, what am i supposed to do like, what am i supposed to do yeah. just you know what i do it all keep the time? it on I, my I, finger and, and not yeah. fidget with it the whole time yeah I, I always drop it into the crack abyss of the couch oh and then <laughs> yeah. then we have to like move the couch yeah get oh, out the, the worst flashlights. the worst 
because it's hard enough. You lose a remote there and it's a 25 minute ordeal, which it shouldn't be. It should make it should be very easy to find. It should have just dropped to the ground, but it never does. It's always in the worst part. You got to stick your hand in. There's dust and old food and then the dogs are crawling over me trying to eat the old food and stuff but like the watch i don't even or the 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 ring i don't know what you would do if you got it in the crack of the the couch i just i just say it's over uh it's we're done the whole thing we gotta tear you gotta shake it out flip it upside down look everywhere (laughs) and you get shoot out every time as well i'm sure i do i do this once a month it falls into the (laughs) crack abyss of the couch i i'm there's at least two uh amazon fire stick remotes somewhere in that couch like, can never oh, those find are them. so thin, so light. You're never getting those again. Yeah, we just buy new ones. I just, I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to Best Buy. I can't <laughs> right, keep looking it. for this remote. I, you know, it's a, uh, and 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 they know people lose these remotes because the Fire Stick itself is like forty dollars, and the remote's thirty five. <laughs> yeah, they got it. They got you. You know, and it's like you're fucked because you're like, I don't need another stick. I, you know, I have, you know, I don't, but I need the fucking, you know, they know you need the remote. So, you know, that's a disaster, but yeah, who knows what else is in that couch? But, um, no, that's the only piece of jewelry that I've ever worn. I can't wear jewelry. I, you're, you're not a, you're not I a gold would... chain guy. Uh, everybody in the chat room assumes that because your name is Joe Lanza, anti uh, Italian uh, discrimination here, everybody, because your name is Joe Lanza assumes that you have a gold chain. I don't like that that profile. I don't either. Here, I agree. One. No, it's, no. It, yeah, it's, it's re- not me for the record. It is it is the people in the note of chat room that are. I am very weird about my neck. I can't have anything on my. I can't even wear a turtleneck. Like I don't know why you would wear a turtleneck, but I I can't wear it to, like I, I can't have anything on my neck. I, it's weird. Like I I feel like I'm being choked. I don't know. I don't. I don't no, like. I've, neck I've stuff. never worn a necklace. Never worn a necklace. Hate turtlenecks. Hate. You know, if I if I'm wearing a polo shirt. You know, a couple of the I'm never I'm never going to the top button. If I wear a suit, I'm never top button unless like if I'm in the wedding, I'll 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 get my fat neck into that top button or whatever. So that the tie looks good. But the second like we're done with the fest, like the the, the actual part of the festivities where I'm out, I'm out. It must be. Those, it's, it's the like, supple necks. It's the supple necks that we have. Maybe. I know. I know when when like the like when I watch horror movies, I can. None of the gore bothers me except when people get their their throat slashed. Hmm. I can't watch that. Like if I if I know there's a throat slash coming up and like the blood is gushing out of the throat, that I can't look at. Like if I know that's coming, I'll turn away. If I see it by accident, that it's a, it terrifies me. I, I can't. So anything involving the neck. So I, I'm not you know no I'm not a necklace guy. I don't wear anything. I don't wear. Um, I, I don't even I don't even have a I don't I don't I don't own a wallet I don't do wallets I just don't do wallets okay so you're, no, who, like, who is it Trent Beretta is he the guy that just stuffs his money into like a Ziploc bag and walks around with no nah, no no I don't it's just the the, the the debit card is loose I don't know oh I, that I, is living on the edge man I can't do that I I am it, nervous for you that you can't do that that's insane I'm you're, gonna that's, tell no, you why stop this is insane no I'm I'm gonna explain it to you if if you're a wallet guy and you've got everything in your wallet if you lose your wallet you lose your life. Like you're, you have to replace everything. If I just lose my debit card, I just call my bank. They give me a new one and they shut the other one down. I don't lose my whole life. Like if you lose your wallet, if you leave your wallet somewhere or lose your wallet, everything's gone. You got to replace your license. You got to replace all your cards. You got to replace whatever's in that wallet. Social security card. If you keep one in there, all your fucking car. If you keep your car insurance and your car registration, anything in that wallet's gone. So why lose everything at once? If I'm going to lose something, I'd rather just lose one loose item. 
So I, I feel like there's a, there's a healthy in-between of like carrying your social security card and your vehicle registration in your wallet. And then also like my wallet has my driver's license and my debit card and like two other cards in it. And that's it. Nah. Driver's license and debit card in my right pocket, phone in my left pocket. That's <laughs> it's how insane. I, roll. I hate it. I hate it. I just can't stand it. I can't believe you're Does doing it. Does it make that. you anxious? It makes me very it? anxious. Yeah. When you're like going in, like how do you... Ah, I don't like it. I it's it, it's it's give me the creepy crawlies there that you're like pulling in your like you're trying to grab your 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 debit card and then your license is going you know flying out of your pocket and you have no idea like it, that that has to happen. It never happens. I've never lost either of those items. Well, I mean, all right then. I guess it's working. You know, if I do, I'm just gonna lose one. Right? I have I, to hassle. Yes, I, I guess. Yeah, we can't get you like a money clip or something like that. Nothing. My my wife got me one of those things that isn't really a wallet it's just kind of like a i don't know a money clip like i just said right it's not a money clip it's like a okay i guess it is a wallet it's like a a, it's a leather gimmick with a couple slots in it okay all right yeah yeah fashionable you know nice and fashionable yeah 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 so occasionally i'll carry that around but that's again it presents the same problem like if i lose that (laughs) but just okay I, i i get it I get it. I, I hate it though. Um, but I get it. You know, but but you know, I will I you know, I, I do use that. It's it's a nice item, you know, but uh <laughs> I'm not an accessory guy. Like like TLB says, like I'm horrible to buy gifts for because I don't I don't want for anything. Like I, I'm a minimalist, I don't have anything. Like she's like most guys you can go get them a pair of sunglasses or a fucking wallet or but you don't want any of these things. I'm like, nah, I don't want any of it. Just I don't know. If it's my birthday, leave me alone. That's fine with me. I don't, don't <laughs> my give me birthday is go away. Like, <laughs> Put a game yeah. on and go away. <laughs> I want you to have fun on your own without me. That that's the best birthday present I could have. So let's just go get a meal. I like going to get a nice meal. Yeah, a, a nice meal. You're, 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 you're a hack things. guy though. You're a hack guy though, right? I'm not a hack guy. No, yeah, that's. I think you're lying. You're a hack guy. No, I'm not. I don't own a hat. I don't own you don't a own a hat. hat. You don't own a baseball cap. You don't have a baseball no. cap. You don't have a Reds cap with you. I've never owned a Reds cap. Really. Never. I thought you were a like, hack guy. I was a hack. Right. I was a hack guy in a time of my life where they were very much in when I was younger, and you had to be a hack guy. But ever since then, I haven't been a hack guy in twenty twenty five years. I haven't owned wow. a hat. In okay, I thought you were a hack guy. Well, I apologize for. Uh, so you really are. You really guy. are a no accessory guy. I'm a no accessory guy. I'm. I'm very. You know, I'm very simple. I don't. I don't. You know, which makes again difficult to buy gifts. For. <laughs> yeah, you're the worst. I, yeah, I, I thought I was bad. But at least you can buy I know me you a new wallet. Every, listen, or something, yeah. I know you struggle every Christmas to think about what to I send do. Me. I, I give you those gift cards. I give you that Olive Garden gift card. I know that always goes to great use. So, well, I, I was going to say it's probably why you've never gotten me. A <laughs> it's gift just too hard. I just, I, yeah, I freak out and I, so I don't know what to you, do. Man. So I just, I just say, forget it. I, le- I leave you alone is what I do. I don't bother you. I don't say Merry Christmas. I do nothing. I just leave you alone. Yeah. So. I tell her, I'm like, it's better. Like, I don't wear jewelry, so you never have to spend money on that kind of thing. And it's easier for you, you know? It's uh, I'm an anti-gift guy, too. I've become... People get mad at you, and I'm like, don't buy me anything, please. They're like, well, what do you want for this? I'm like, I don't want anything. Nothing. I, want, I don't want things. I have enough things. The last thing I need is things. We can go somewhere. We can do something, but do not get me a thing. I don't want... A, I have things. I don't need any more things, you know? And then pe- people will, like... You know, oh, no, no, no. I got to get you something. I got to get No, you, you really don't. Yeah. No, you Nothing. don't have to get me anything. <laughs> you yeah, really I don't, don't. I don't. We'll go for a meal. We'll go hang out. We'll do something. But do, I, I don't need anything. The things that you want to buy me, I, I, I don't need. Right. You know, 
I don't want things. That's right. <laughs> you got Lamborghini, I, great. I'll take that. But other than that, I don't really need it. You want to pay off my like house? If we move, if, you want to pay my if, house if, off? If we, great. <laughs> Go for it. But whatever thing you're going to give me, I don't I don't need it. If we moved, you could fit my possessions in a box, one one cardboard box. I, I don't have anything. Like, I don't have things. <laughs> I know. You know, I, you know it's, uh, I just don't have anything. You know, I, 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 I don't know. I don't want anything. Like, I sometimes, like, people... Okay, so the other day she she I have like this uh, cabinet which is just a junk cabinet where you come home you put everything in that like everyone has a cabinet like that it's like and then every six months you have to clean it out right because it's just a disaster so TLB's cleaning out like the junk cabinet and she finds all these uh Christmas cards and shit that I've been getting from like my mother for the last six years and they all have gift cards in them one had a fifty dollar bill. <laughs> 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 and uh, she's like when are you gonna use these gifts? i'm like i don't know i don't i don't want anything like it's nice that i have these gift cards but i genuinely can't think of anything to purchase with the gift cards the fire like, the, the fire stick gift cards and, yeah fire stick yeah buy, i'm gonna buy you know, yourself Amazon three fire stick remote <laughs> three of those yeah. and then you'll be good for a while and one at a 50 dollar bill she's like i could have just kept this you didn't even know i'm like you could have I didn't know <laughs> you're right <laughs> right you could have i don't even know how many years that 50 so now the 50 dollar bill is in my little leather gimmick that she gave me to hold my fucking license. Like that's crammed in there now too. You don't seem like a so, cash guy. You, you don't strike me as a guy who you know a I transaction this, comes I, up and they're like that will be fourteen twenty seven. You're like aha, <laughs> one moment. Let me give me my crisp fifty dollar <laughs> bill. Here you go. Because then now you're gonna get change. You're gonna get more bills. Yeah, it's just a disaster. Rich, once again, is this nineteen seventy three? Why would I be <laughs> right, carrying what are we doing cash? <laughs> Why would you ever, unless you know that you specifically are going to need cash, why would you ever have cash? There's just no reason for it. You know, I, I don't know. I, it's uh, unless you, you know you're going to an event and you have to park and you have to hand some sketchy guy a, a fucking $20 bill to use the lot or something. Or there's no reason to carry around cash unless you have a cash job. Like if you're a fucking waiter or something, you're going to have cash. Even there, you know, even these days, they're not going to have much cash. I guess they would always have cash. Anyway, point is, no, I don't carry cash. I don't carry cash. Yeah, either. you, you, you didn't strike is, me. Yeah, you didn't strike me as a cash guy. I'm gonna lose that leather gimmick, and I'm gonna lose my my cards <laughs> and your fifty dollars license <laughs> and the fifty dollar fifty dollar bill that's crammed in there now too. I'm gonna lose all of it. We don't want you. To and I'm do gonna that. go see, see. <laughs> if these items were loose. I'd have only lost one of them. I I, I hate I, it. I get I it. Say. I hate it. I get it. I, I I do. I think there is a happy medium though of just carrying a couple things in your wallet and not necessarily all the things that you described. But but I, I do get the uh, lose your wallet. You're, you're you're pretty fucked for a while thing because that, that has happened to me, of course. And and it's just like, well, shit. <laughs> you know, nothing will. The next ruin week your life is just yeah. calling people and getting things reordered and being scared every time you're driving because you're gonna get pulled over and be like look i got nothing what do you want me to do i no, i don't know i lost my wallet i don't have anything can't give you anything you know i, I get yeah. it i do i get it then they think you're a fugitive of the law <laughs> right like i have get, no way to identify you know? right yeah i swear this is my car sir yeah right step out of the vehicle you know and it's a whole thing you know it's terrible but um yeah, I'm gonna lose that, and it's it's gonna be everyone's fault but mine that I that I lose everything. You know, when you could just lose the one item. <laughs> I think it's logical. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I I don't. Know. I feel uh, like 
I don't know. You're, you're not like, you're not getting a whole lot of love for the uh, the no wallet thing in the in the no dope shower. A lot a lot of people agreeing with you about some of these things, but uh, few agreeing with you on the the loose um, loose debit card I, in, the, listen, in the pocket. I, listen, I know I'm I, I might be on an island. You're on an island no for that one. That, that's all you. That's fine. <laughs> that's that's no. you on that island. But I'm not okay. afraid to live on an island. Sometimes you know I'd like to live on an island away from everyone. That would be nice. Like if that was a real thing, I will be on Lands Island with the no wallet. I don't need a wallet. Gone this long without a wallet. I, right. you know, I, you know how long it took me to get a smartphone. I didn't want a fucking smart, but eventually you have to. You do, you do, you do. I was the last holdout for a cell phone. Period. That I, among all the people in my life, but eventually you have to get it. Professional reasons, everything else. And then I was last holdout for the smartphone. I knew the smartphone was going to be trouble for me, so I held out as long as I could. But you can only walk around with a flip phone so long before it's a fucking embarrassment. You know what I mean? You can't. It, it eventually it's like humiliating so eventually you had you, you know you got to upgrade i kind of so wish like i could years go ago. back to that. i think I, I think i'm gonna rebrand pretty soon as like guy who carries around old phone do you do you, do you feel like you're old enough now to get yeah. away with that to where yes. you don't to okay so you, right you don't and i could care be about and it would be like a badge of that. honor and people would probably admire me they're like ah good for you and i'm like yeah i don't i don't do any of that shit you know just makes calls you know what i mean I, I take it out and i you tap know. it or whatever and they're like ah you're good for you because like now everyone's so addicted that now it'd probably be like hey good for you sir for for not feeling like you need to be on your phone 100 percent of the day and 24 hours a day or whatever so i think it's kind of turned around where now you'd be admired whereas like seven years ago if i pulled out a nokia phone they'd be like look at this loser like what an absolute loser where i feel like now with with where i'm at age wise and, and where we are society wise i feel like i'd be admired for my nokia phone yeah uh, uh, yeah i mean you're married so you don't have to impress any broads um yeah i, I guess you could pull it off i mean I'm just warning you, you're rapidly aging yourself if you opt for a flip phone <laughs> at this point. Okay. It's, it's you're going to be, you know, you can't, you can't be cool with a flip phone. I don't want to be cool. I'm, I'm post cool. Well, well, that's I'm what I'm cool saying. Anymore. Okay, I don't want to be cool anymore. I'm done. That's what I'm saying. If I've you're peaked. okay with that, then, then you can go get the flip phone that, you know, but you have to understand that that's what comes with that. Right. I, I think I'm ready for it. Yeah. I'm ready for it. Especially the, like I, a week like this where it's like, People are freaking out. Oh, what are we gonna do without Twitter? We'll go to this thing and we'll go to that thing. It's like it's so. I just want to just go away from all of it. Like we so need an alternative to Twitter. It's like no, we don't. We really no, we don't. We could just move on <laughs> with our lives. Yeah, it's we okay. don't have yeah. to have that. We don't. Yeah, we don't have to have that. <laughs> we, we don't. Yeah. We have people freaking. Oh, I'm going on threads. Or I'm getting on Blue Sky. <laughs> we don't have to be on any of those. We could just go I, away. I, yeah. Here's what these people don't understand. If you hate Twitter and you're agitated with Twitter. That's you're going to something else that's gonna <laughs> we need to make another problems. It's like okay, isn't it just well, gonna be the same thing? Well, yeah, but it, without the bad people. Well, eventually the bad people are gonna come. That's it's like no, it's, it's all the people. It's all the people. <laughs> that's why none of these alternatives work. It's still all the people. You, you're not. You know, it's gonna be the same. That's why it's funny. I'm watching everyone like do all. You know, I'm just staying out of it. It's all it's, it's going to be half the things look exactly like Twitter and <laughs> <Yes>. function <laughs> right. exactly like Twitter. We have six of them now. We have six fake Twitters now <laughs> to replace Twitter. Did you see someone put out a tweet with screenshots of all six of them? And Not like, just Can you somebody. One them? of the guys that's making one of the fake Twitters. Yeah. Jack at like, Jack. The original Twitter yeah. guy is like, I can't believe now we just have six Twitter replacements. And it's like one of them is yours. You made one of those. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, no. But he. 
he took the 45 billion and ran i mean yeah well yeah he, of course yeah he's the big winner here you know i mean because he just sold it to the geek and cashed out and uh you know it's not his fucking problem anymore he don't have any fucking problems anymore 45 billion you can do a lot yeah you do whatever the hell you want so um no, but it's it's crazy. Like, oh, I hate this Twitter. I need a new Twitter. I hate Twitter. I need a new. It's the same shit. You're going to eventually have the same exact problem. Whatever problems you had with the previous one, you're going to have with the next one. You know, it's uh, I look, I would love something to replace the news feed aspect of it, you know, but uh, it's not going to be an exact clone. You're going to have to create something completely new that no one's thought of yet to replace it or else it's just it's not going to work. I think I the best part about that, the, that, the at Jack uh, tweet is or not even tweet. I don't know. I guess it was, I don't even know where he did it. I'm not sure on what fake Twitter he did it on. But he was like, instead of evolving to the next level, we just have replacements and clones. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but you had the opportunity to, to do something different. You just made a clone. So it's like, yeah, you know, it, it, it's fine. But again. $45 billion richer, so so good for him. Yeah, I mean, if I cashed out for $45 billion, I would stand on a pedestal and make fun of everybody, too. Why not? I mean, that's the ultimate fuck you money. <laughs> and make your fake so Twitter he- that doesn't get sued. Because then another guy made a fake Twitter, but then that fake Twitter is going to get sued. And this guy, whose fake Twitter is exactly like Twitter, is not going to get sued because not that many people care about it. So, Well, there have been a lot of fake Twitters. There's been a lot. There's several. There's been a lot of fake Twitters. Um there has been a couple of, of extreme right-wing versions of fake Twitter. Um, then there was the one left-wing attempt at a fake Twitter. And the reason those kinds don't work is because what these people don't realize until they're in it is they, they need the other side to they're play addicted. off of or they yeah. get bored. They're addicted to the endorphin boost of the arguments and the, and the takes and all that they, shit. Yeah. yeah, when everyone agrees, then what do you do? <laughs> right. Then you're all bored. So that's why those never work and never will work. Um. You know, and now I guess that you have all these other ones pop. What? So what's who's gonna who's gonna win this? I I know the blue sky deal. Okay, that's like just a complete total Twitter knockoff. Yeah, you you, you want an invite code, Joe? I can send you an invite code. I, I like already so. I'm already squatting on my name on blue sky. Good. I'll Good never you. use it, but I'm squatting on my name on blue sky. That that is um, that was the leader in the clubhouse earlier this week, <laughs> basically where people were like, aha. <laughs> We found it. It's Twitter without bad people. And it's like very normal. And like everyone's just kind of like, hi, how's it going? Like, you know, it's just, you know, classic like early social media stuff. But it's, but it's boring. Like you said, there's, it's just a bunch of people being like, hey, this is cool. I'm glad this isn't like Twitter, you know, and, and, there's a bunch of people doing that, and then it's slowly, you know, gaining because you need the invite codes or whatever. And then now threads has come. And that's from Instagram, and everyone's like, oh, cool, you can load all your Instagram information directly into threads. This is fantastic. And it's like, it's good because all the influencers are, are, are on it and stuff. So it's gotten a, a lot of people signed up in one day. But uh, people are starting to find out some, you know, pretty not great things about it because, A, it's just, you know, another way to filter all of your data to, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, which is not exactly the, the best. Uh, you can't, you now cannot delete your thread account i guess unless you delete your instagram account so it's like you're stuck now being on threads ah. forever <laughs> if you if you t- click the button where it said hey do you want to import all your instagram information to threads and you went ah yes that'll be so easy well now you're stuck to have both of them mm. uh 
and the timeline is just a algorithm of, hey, this is what you would like to see. And what it thought I liked to see was like updates about the Jenners and TikTok dances. And I didn't I didn't have the heart to tell them that that's not actually what I wanted to see. So uh, the so it's not been, who you're following. No, no, it's algorithm based. Well, yeah, that's always going to go great. So, yeah, I looked at it and went, yep, uh, I'm never going to use this again. So there you go. Well, that sounds terrible. Yep. I mean, if people really but all want, your favorite influencers are on it, though, Joe. All of them. All the stars. All the stars are, are there. there, yeah. All doing doing all dances the, and, you know, all driving the influ- boats. All the influencers, all the, you say. All of them. them. They're all there. Okay. Um, so everyone's just going to end up back on Twitter because they already have followers. They can see the tweets of the people they're following, and they can make fun of Elon Musk all day, which is really – they complain <laughs> the about that. Blood. Yeah, they complain about Elama, but they what these people don't realize is they need that. They they you need the enemies to you need play a heal. Off. You need a heal. You gotta you have need a, heal. a heal. Yes, yes. So, you know that's uh, you need to dunk. That's uh, an important component. Everyone thinks everyone talks a big game like they want to get away from that. Okay, but you you, you need that unless you really truly do get just get away from it and have had enough. You know that that's a different deal, but balancing from thing to thing, you need something. You need an enemy to play off. Of. You do, you do. So, oh, there you go. We're on all those dumb things. If you want to follow voices of wrestling on them, but, please uh, don't. Don't please don't and don't expect anything unless I'm just gonna. Someone was like, uh, "Hey, is Joe gonna have the password to the threads?" Okay, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I have no interest whatsoever. Yeah, what? Can... If I'm not interested in in uh, Twitter, why would I be interested in any of the other? You're not interested in threading? Oh come on, who doesn't want to like thread? That, it's just it's the same. <laughs> why would I be not interested in one but interested in the other? Like this is what the, the point I'm making. It's all the same shit. I don't. I, you know, I, I have no interest. Threads. But we're on there, so definitely follow yeah, us. Yeah, definitely follow us, things. and then click yeah. all the links, uh, even though nobody clicks any of those links ever. Just so. click the links over and over and yep. over. Just follow. Re- I think uh, on threads, you repost, I believe. So repost. Not retweet, repost, Joe. So it's, it's totally right. different. Uh, repost, and then, yeah, click all the links, and and yeah. that's. But you're not getting any takes. Do you think we're going to be wrestling threads influencers? That's, uh, no, you're, you're, it's not happening, so. But follow us for sure on all those dumb apps. And who's the jerk off on YouTube, Mister? Uh... <laughs> you got to be more specific. <laughs> Which one, Mister Beast? Are you talking about Mister Beast? Mister Beast. Yeah. Is he on Threads? I don't know. Ah, uh, you know what? I bet Mister Beast is on Threads. Let me find out if Mister Beast is on Threads. I hope he's got like a. Uh, all his videos are so annoying. It's like the face, like the thumbnail face. Face. Yeah. Thumbnail it's like face. A, a pile of hamburgers and his face is like, oh, it's like, what the fuck? What is this? And then you look at it, it's got like 9.8 billion views. You're like, oh, all right. I don't well. understand. I really genuinely will never understand the appeal of shit like that. Like, uh, what, Mr. Beast why, what? is indeed on threads and he currently has 2.1 million followers on. Uh, that didn't on, take on, long. On threads. Yes. Um, so the thing about him, I saw a clip of an interview with him. And aside from the fact that he's disgustingly rich, which, you know. By the way, he's giving away a Tesla on threads. If you'd like to uh, retweet yeah. him to win a free Tesla, you can you can do so. So, Aside from the fact that he, he is generationally wealthy for making YouTube face, his life is pretty hellish. Because I, I heard him saying in this interview that 
he is just stressed every day because he's constantly has to stay ahead of the algorithms so that his shit stays on top. Like he constantly has to be on top of that shit and knowing what beats the algorithm and what puts you on top of the searches. And it's constantly changing and shifting. And that stresses him out every morning he wakes up and he has to be dedicated to mastering the algorithm. And that Mm. does sound like a very shitty existence. But at this point, would, doesn't he have yeah, a big just get off. Following? Just fucking stop and li- and go drive your Lamborghini and hang out in your pools. Like you know, right? <laughs> like fuck and, off, bro. Like you're, you're generationally wealthy. Still, if it's if it stresses you out, you could stop, and I'm sure you'd be okay. But even if he still wanted to make content, isn't he so popular at this point? That yeah, I feel like he's matter? on autopilot, and just like his cars, I think he's probably on autopilot now, where he could just do whatever, and it's not going to matter. But he, I guess he's just addicted to gaming the algorithm. right. Exactly. Yeah, like he, he's addicted to the the hustle. Of, of it all, I but guess. I got. I just I sit in my fucking you. pool and be like, I'm gonna make a video, and if it doesn't get any views, I don't give a shit because I got a fucking giant pool and a Lamborghini. So well, it we really just, matter. well, which we don't, we don't know how to grind. I, uh, I assure you, I will never do a show again if we make <laughs> you're not a gonna talk dollars. about. You're not gonna watch. You know, no. You're gonna watch WWE Money in the Bank 2020. Hmm, when are we gonna make a billion? 2025. WWE Money in the Bank 2025. You're not gonna watch that show. You know, I'm thinking about this. Maybe I would do a show if we made a billion. Because then you have Am just I, fuck you money. You got fuck you. I mean, you can do whatever, man. You know what I mean? Do a hell of a show. Do a great <laughs> right? show. Like, you're just like, if, I don't care. Let me tell you, if you thought I was canceled before. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know if I'm addicted to putting out the takes. Well, you've I, always I said that you're going to you. You are going to have the show go until all of your haters are dead or gone. Oh, yeah. You can't it's let either. them win. And even though you are now a billionaire, I feel like you got to hang on just so they know that not only are you a billionaire. But you're still ruining their lives by talking about professional wrestling. Yeah, it's correct. You know, it's probably think true. about that. I am. I'm going to do some version of this show until I'm dead because I'm stubborn like that. And I don't want them to win because there's people who definitely don't want me to have a voice. Right, The haters so, and the losers will, will, will win then. And yeah, you can't let them win. Yeah, they'll win when I'm dead. And then they could do the meme. Where they're putting up a peace sign next to my casket, you know, that. <laughs> or the one guy that went to the funeral and the the, the guy in the suit, yeah, with the funeral, yeah, make sure he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, like you know, that's the only that's the only time they're going to get me because I, I will do some version of this, you know, just to, you know, the ones that outlive me, good for them, they'll they'll see the day. The others will not, but um, yeah, I don't know. So uh, I don't know what the hell you said when you were doing this. I don't either. I guess so we're, we're, we're back. So I think you said when you, when you make your first billion, you're not going to do the show anymore. And then I said, well, you haven't made that billion yet. So no, I know that. I said you set up the show, though, already. Right. You set up the show. Sort of. But I don't think anybody heard it. So let, let, I'm just going to redo it. We're going to just push along. I'm going to redo it. Fuck set up the show. They, they, they got eyes. They could see the one sheet. <laughs> That's right? true. Well, yeah, yeah, well, you know, there's, there, well, there is there is uh, podcast listeners who aren't. Yeah, yeah. You know. We got to give it to those people. We got we got to we got to set them up. It's always a good time for you to kind of get you you know get your drink of water, get all set up. I, I got to move the dog. Once we get into the heavy parts of the show, it's like all right, the dog's got it because one dog wants to be on my lap during the intro, and I'm like all right, whatever. Then now he's bored, so he's left the room. We're, we're, we're doing all this stuff, but we're gonna do Money in the Bank 2023. O2 Arena in London. We're going to talk about that. The Bloodline Civil War uh, main event. We'll be digging into that. Uh, Also in America, Jerry McDivitt transitioning towards retirement. The longtime legal rep uh, for WWE is transitioning towards retirement. We'll talk a lot about that. Jerry McDivitt uh, 
had some quotes with WrestleNomics as well and with Brandon Thurston uh, talking a little bit about his quote-unquote transition towards retirement, what that sort of alleges, and a little bit more about the MLW WWE lawsuit, which, believe it or not, if you have not been following, is still going. Is still going. It doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. So we're going to touch on that a little bit. And then, of course, the world of MLW never stops, and they have never say never. A pay-per-view coming up this weekend, July 8th. Uh, available on Fight Plus. We'll give you a little bit of a rundown of what's going to happen on that show. Uh, Rev Pro, they are going to be in your call this weekend as well, July 9th, uh, for a big-time show, uh, Epic Encounter 2023, so we'll touch on that. Uh, we are going to get into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling. Yuma Aoyagi is your new Triple Crown Champion, defeating Yuji Nagata. Uh, we'll talk about how uh, what, what that means and the match and everything that kind of led in up to it. Uh, new Japan Strong had their Independence Day shows July 4th and July 5th, so we'll touch on those uh, as well. But, Joe, believe it or not, people are not going to – I don't think they're going to believe it because I don't remember the last time it's happened. We are starting the show with Dragon Gates. Dragon Gates Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival 2023. Written review is up right now at VoicesOfWrestling.com from Case Low if you want to read that. Open the Voice Gate. Our Dragon Gate podcast has also released an episode uh, all about uh, this uh, about the Kobe World Festival, but Joe, we're going to touch on it here. Starting the show with Dragon Gate. I don't remember the last time we've done it, but welcome. We're here. We have a lot of topics to get to, and there is no prayer that we're getting to all of these topics, especially since we burned 40 minutes on utter bullshit. So, <laughs> accessories. and um, yeah. There was so much to get to this week. Um, but yeah, I figured we'd start with the Kobe World because what it happens to Dragon Gate over the, I was going to say over the last couple of years, but Ten. <laughs> since forever with this show, yes. Um, Dragon Gate always gets pushed to the third hour and you're always rushing through the segment, but they had a huge show. And you know what? They drew 5,150 fans at, to Kobe for this show. And look, if you want to chalk that up to Hiromu and you want to chalk that up to Shingo and you want to chalk that up to Ultimo Dragon, you know, putting his mask on the line, you know, you're probably right. But I don't think it matters because that's an incredible number, even if it's a little inflated. You know, when the lights were on in the building, you know, it, it sure looked like it was close to 5,000 people in there. So if it is a fake number, I don't think it's all that exaggerated. So we'll, we'll start there. From a business perspective, you got to give them credit. This show drew tremendously. That's one of the best houses in Japan this year. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you look at Japan, I, you know, there's not that many houses uh, that have been bigger than that one this year. So um, give them credit. There was obvious appeal in the card that they put together. Probably those three factors mattered the most, the things that I named, um, which we talked about last week. That was going to decide, that was going to determine whether the show drew or not. And the show drew. Um, as far as the show itself, it was okay. I think that uh, what plagued the show it, for me is what has plagued all of modern one word Dragon Gate dry atmosphere, very low energy. Uh, the matches just aren't that great. And the young stars that they're pushing, who are all excellent workers, they just don't have much charisma or crowd connection. And those are the things that have plagued Dragon Gate. These are the things that I've complained about every time we talk about one of their major shows. And um, at this point, I'm getting a little concerned. I think that uh, 
I don't know how much more time I'm supposed to give people like Yuki Yoshioka or, or, or even Kakuda, who I like as a worker and, you know, some of the others who weren't featured as prominently to feel like stars because they don't. They, they just don't, especially when compared to the uh, to, to the, the previous uh, generation that, that carried the company for the first 20 years or so. Um, I, I didn't think the show was very good. I mean, it wasn't bad either. It just existed. It's just yeah, it, it's not a show. Dry, There's... emotionless wrestling. Yeah, with the, the exception of the main event, with the exception right. of the main mm-hmm. event, which mm-hmm. we'll get to. I, mm-hmm. I love the cage match. The cage match is a different thing, but the rest of the card, I mean, I don't know. It's just there's it, just no excitement. There's no spark. There's no energy. There's no, and again, I I just I don't think that these guys that you know I. I, I, the Dreamgate match, for instance, I know I'm talking a lot. I'm going to let you get in here. The Dreamgate match, for instance, you know, Kakuda and Yoshioka, I'm watching this match, and the work is perfectly competent, and I just can't help but thinking these are two guys who are not ready to be stars. Just, and, and, you know, it's not just them. It's, it's, it's the rest of this next generation, too. None of them are ready. None of them have any crowd connection. None of them have any charisma. A star charisma, I'm talking. And it's just obvious on these big shows, especially. It's just so obvious. And I really didn't like this show until I watched the main event. I got through the Dreamgate match, and the main event was spoiled for me. So I dropped into our Discord to complain about the show. And uh, I was expecting to see a lot of agreement. And when I saw just a slew of people saying how great the show was, I'm like, all right, if, if I'm that far off the reservation, to the general consensus, then this company really isn't for me anymore. But then some more reviews came in as people were watching, and there were more people who were more in line with what I thought. But um, but the cage match, which we'll get to, I want to leave this at leave that out of this because I really enjoyed the cage match. But what'd you think of the show? I, I kind of had a similar thought that you had, where as I was watching this, and and I liked, you know, I I, I thought the card on paper looked pretty good. I thought it was a good way to kind of integrate some of the older new uh, dragon gate guys and and obviously the main event was going to have ultimo in there and obviously we're going to have hiromu and and we all knew that shingo was going to be a part of the ishikawa thing or whatever so it was all about sort of integrating that that young talent that next generation with a little bit of the old talent and 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 just kind of putting their best foot forward which i think they've you know I, i i'm not as down on the young talent as you are but i will say after this show i was a little disappointed in how they delivered throughout the show and and we'll talk about all of them individually and especially you know after the the grand declaration by kakuda you know after dead or alive saying like this is the new generation these are the guys that are going to lead us into the new generation this was their first show to do that and, and you know particularly the dreamgate match which i thought like you said was perfectly good professional wrestling. I think Kakuda is good. I think Yoshioka is good. But when you're in the semi-main event and you're the Dreamgate title match and you're, you know, that was the one. And 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 Javen mentioned it in in the previews that he did with Open the Voice Gate. Like he said, those guys have to go out there and tear the fucking house down and 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 show this is the new generation. We are here. We're not in the main event because this cage takes too long to set up, and they didn't want to put it early on in the show or whatever the excuse, whatever the excuses may be or whatever. But we're, we're, we're mad that we're not the main event. And we're going to show you that we're the next generation. We're pissed that we're not in the main event. We're going to go here and tear the house down. And I thought they had a very 
good professional wrestling match. They did not tear the house down. They did not. The crowd wasn't going nuts for for the match at all. The crowd was very respectful because the work was good. I mean, and that's that's sort of the level. That, that's sort of what I'm having with a lot of the Dragon Gate workers right now. Is a lot of them are very good workers. I don't think any of that new generation I would consider a bad worker, or I just don't get it. You know what I mean? It's not like that. But like you said, it just doesn't feel like they have that it, that specialness about them. And I think there's one load exception, and we'll talk about him in the cage match. I thought he was a star of the cage I match. I think but it's probably the same one. It's Shun. Yeah, Shun. I mean, well, you see Shun, and it's like, that's a, that's a dude. You know what I mean? That is a guy who has that it factor. He goes out there. He owns the room. He owns the match. That cage match was all about him. It's not just that he's making noise the entire time. He's everywhere. He's 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 such good character work, and he's so good at, at, at you can't take your eyes off him. Yeah, he owns that room. When he's in that in, in that match, he is the focus. And you are looking at him. You're paying attention to him. You're watching him. That's just, I don't get that same vibe from a lot of the other guys, you know, on, on the come up from for them. And and that that is worrisome when when you have guys. Kakuda's the, the Dreamgate champion now. That's that's as, that's as high as, as you can get. That's the, you know, you got the main title. Yoshioka just got done having the main title and had a pretty long reign with it. You know, uh, Ben K, you know, he, he he's a guy who's had the title before and is kind of coming back up and, and doing that sort of stuff. And it doesn't, a lot of these guys, it's just, I don't know. There's just not that. Ugh, there's just something that you're like, right, come on, let's go. It's now. It's this is your time. You have declared it. Kakuda has set it out and said, we are the next generation. Let's go. Let, let's let's really feel like this next generation is here. And when this show was over, I I, I didn't get that vibe. I got the vibe of we're still we're still rebuilding a little bit. And I I, I thought we were ready to kind of kick things off and just go into the next gear. And it's not quite there yet. Now, there, how many how many of these title reigns are we going to have where we're like, ah, this wasn't that great. I just these guys just don't have it. I, I they don't have star level charisma. You know, Kakuda absolutely does not have star level charisma. You know, now that we see him in the spot, just doesn't have it. And you know, look, and I've had that stance on Yoshioka the whole time. You know, I'm right. Like I'm a little more. I'm I'm a little higher on Yoshioka than you are, but but I get it. I I do get your stance for sure. Yeah, I mean, no, you know, and it's like the crowd was dead all night. Um, the matches I felt like so many of the matches were had abrupt finishes, and I know that you have to set up the cage and. But how come these things were never a problem for your big brother's Dragon Gate? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I feel like these are excuses. I mean, they had plenty of cage matches where you had to set up the cage. And, you know, the, and the cards never felt like this. Dragon Gate shows used to feel like, used to be the most vibrant and exciting shows out of all of the major companies. And that feeling has been gone for a long time. And, um... You know, this show again, it just there's five thousand there's over five thousand people there. They draw this great crowd and they never gave the people reasons to go crazy for anything on this show. There's just a lack of excitement on these Dragon Gate shows. Yeah, it, it um, felt like a lot of the matches never hit that next gear. That 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 they're always kind of worked at like this one pace, and you're like, all right, well, you know, they're they're setting up for a pretty good oh no, okay, never mind. The finish just came. Okay, that was it. <laughs> you know, like you said, like the open the twin gate was eleven minutes, and I have no problem with like short matches, but the the problem was they just never felt like they kicked into that next gear. Like you were you were kind of anticipating, all right, it's Kobe World. Like let's you know, let let's see that next level. And they just a lot of the matches just 
just didn't. And I, I thought, I thought all in all, it was a, a, a more good than bad show. It just didn't have. It, it's just definitely, it was definitely lacking that energy that that I thought we were going to get from this show. Where, yeah, I saw that crowd and I was like, all right, here we go. That's five thousand people, man. And there was a lot of times where they just weren't making that much noise or or, or, or that excited uh, about what they were seeing, and that that is a little worrisome for sure. They were hot in the main event though, and again, like we got. If it's not clear, we're excluding the main event from all this because the main event was absolutely you know awesome, and, and and we'll talk about it here in a sec. But yeah, a lot of the other matches, it just never felt like the crowd really fully bought in, and never felt like the matches really kicked into that next gear. So you know, did I feel like I wasted my time watching it? I wouldn't say that, but I also wouldn't like. I'm not going to come on here and gush and tell people, oh my god, you got to see this show, you got to catch up with Dragon Gate again. It's it's kind of the same thing we've been saying for a while. It's like, yeah, I mean, if you got time, you know, there, there's a lot of good talent, and it's it's you know, it's still a relatively fun show, but it, I I can't you know. I can't do the drop everything and, and go watch this thing with Dragon Gate right now. It's just not it's not it's not there just yet. Yeah, I think every single match on the show underwhelmed every yeah, one of them. I think that's absolutely fair. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. Like Hakuda and, and Yoshioka definitely underwhelmed for me. You know, I, I thought that, that was gonna be a big moment for them to kind of go out there and deliver and they, you know, a good match, but but definitely not great. I'll open the trial gate I liked, but I thought it was gonna be like next I thought that was gonna be like the match of the night. That thing's gonna kick so much ass. And it was good, but it wasn't, you know. It, it didn't reach that next next level. Hiromo and Yamato, you know, I, I liked, but you know, well, well, why am I doing this now? We'll do that later. Hiromo, let's talk about the cage well, we match. Yeah. well, let no, let's just do that and then talk about the cage match. So yeah, I I, I agree. Hiromo and Yamato, I felt like Hiromo did not feel like working hard. No, exactly. I, that that my exact take was that he came in here. That he this, I don't know if he made it. If he felt like it was beneath him, but it kind of felt like he felt like this was beneath him. And to be honest, I don't know if Yamato wants to go out there and have a Hiromu match either. So, I, you know, it just kind of existed. Um, the Triangle Gate match, I agree, it was kind of just there. It was, it was probably the second best match on the show for me, but that's not... That's the match great. that maybe most disappointed me that it didn't get to that next level because as it's going on, I'm like, all right, here we go. This is, this is getting kind of fun. This is getting kind of good. And then it was boom, it was over. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. I kind of thought we had like six more minutes here, but no, we're done now. So that, that's the one that I thought was on that pace to being really good. And then it just ended up not really getting there. There was a bunch of stuff like that. The Brave Gate match, you know, with Ishin and Jason Lee, that's like the most disappointing Jason Lee match I've I can recall. Yeah, because he's mean, been that, great. He's been great for like a year plus at this point. Like great, like that was legitimately a, great. It's a nothing match. That was a legitimate nothing match. And that Ishin, I don't I don't think much of him at all. I I he's just a guy. I I don't, you know, I understand he's probably 24, 25 years old. Um you know, but he's been there a few years now, and I just don't see anything. So that guy's gonna have to win me over at some point. Definitely didn't on this show. There's a big match and a big title win, and very unimpressive to me, especially when you're in there with Jason Lee, who I know can go, and is one of the more reliable wrestlers on the entire roster. You know, and then you had the Twin Gate. I mean, it was fine. I don't, you know. I, I can't even have thoughts about it. No, you know, the Twin just, Gate. I was really disappointed on the Twin Gate, and I thought I thought Mochizuki and Kanda were like light years better than the Gold Class team, and that that's you know what I mean, uh, or, or Susumu, I should say, uh, and Kanda. It was it was it wasn't Mochi. Uh, uh, it was Susumu Mochizuki and Kanda. Like those guys are obviously you know Susumu especially is just he's still great. He's still so so good, but it's like. This was another match where, again, I was like, all right, this is a big opportunity for Ben K. He's in here with some of the best guys that Dragon Gate has ever had, you know, and, and, and you know, the, the, the great opportunity. And it was just like, yeah, he's just kind of long for the ride. <laughs> it's like, I didn't want to leave this match saying, yes, yeah, Sumo's great, you know, and that's how I ended the match, basically, is being like, yes, yeah, Sumo, still, still good, still good. But uh, I'm ready ben to. Kay. 
I'm ready ben for K, something new. <laughs> like, let's go, man. Come on. Let's show something. Yeah, I don't worry about Ben K, though. I mean, I feel like he has reinvented himself, and he does have the charisma that I'm talking about. Um, you know, but, you know, he's in the middle of the card, you know, and, and it, sometimes in Dragon Gate, you know, when guys aren't being featured, you know, it's it just they kind of just blend into the rest of the show. But he's not someone I'm concerned with, you know, because especially with his reinvention, um, you know, and the Shingo stuff with Ichikawa was a lot of fun. You know, I'm not going to bet that was that was exactly what we thought it would be. And, uh, you know, like we said, he just beat him with the pumping bomber the first time. And, uh, you know, and then they 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 did the second match or whatever, or the, you know, the extension of, you know, they, they did a whole long deal with Shingo. We knew it was going to be Shingo, and it was exactly what we thought it was going to be, and that was a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, Kano worked the show with Mochizuki, you know, against Don Fuji and Suji Kondo. There wasn't anything worth noting in that it was just a dry match up and down the mm-hmm. dry show up and down the card with nothing i would even remotely recommend to anybody listening to this right, right which now. is definitely what you, you you don't want that out of a kobe yeah. world and especially one that felt no. like after dead or live like okay now we're ready we're here the new generation and it's just yeah it just kind of felt you know felt like a show like they've had over the last couple of years where, where you know a lot of their shows have kind of a dry feeling to them is uh, uh, kind of a, a lack of energy which is man it's it's dragon it's like that's the exact opposite of what you expect uh for a big time dragon gate show and and yeah it, it did I, so similar thoughts to you i mean I'm, gl- I'm i'm okay that i watched it i didn't feel like i totally wasted my time but it's also just like yeah i can't i can't recommend pretty much anything but the main event so the main event was great and this was to me there was three acts there's three acts in the main event there was the saga of Dragon Kid and Ultimo Dragon with Dragon Kid. He could have grabbed his mask and escaped very early, but he saved Ultimo Dragon and he sacrificed himself so Ultimo could escape. And then he very quickly was the second person who escaped anyway. So it all worked out for him, right? But there was that one spot where he bowed to Ultimo Dragon and he's like, I'm out of here. You guys are all tied up. I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but I got to save myself. But, you know, he had that crisis and he crawled back down the cage. So that was act one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stuff with Dragon Kid and Ultimo Dragon. Once they were out, act two was the heels beating down Strong Machine Jack, you know, and, and, you know, these, you know, Skywalker and Diamante just beating the living shit out of Machine Jay because when Ultimo escaped he wasn't going to climb over you know the the give it's like he's too old to climb over so they opened the door for him <laughs> and that allowed the heels this to was throw smart. all the weapons into the this, this was really smart because at first i was like oh my god like i because i get it like you don't want ultimate dragon climbing down from the cage and th- this was brilliant brilliant for them because i bought it as okay that seems legit that Ultimo's yeah. like, fuck off. He, first off, he's Ultimo Dragon. So, like, whatever he says, you're going to yeah. do it no matter what. But also, too, I could buy that that man doesn't want to crawl down from the top of a cage, you know, so it made sense that they would open the door for Ultimo Dragon or whatever. And I'm like, all right, that makes sense. He's an old guy or whatever, you know, and he's he's Ultimo, you know, whatever. That's fine. I get it. But then when the heels are throwing shit in the ring, I'm like, oh, my God, brilliant. They figured out. They, and they got me. Like, I never thought that, oh, they're going to use that as a way for the heels to kind of, you know, get shit in the ring or interfere. But the way they did that and the way they set that up was, was absolutely brilliant. So yeah kudos to them for that yeah so then that sets up act two which is all these tables and chairs and weapons and the heels just beating down strong machine J. and then the one point you know diamante had a chance to get out 
and he went and helped his buddy. You know, he could have gotten out, but he was loyal to, to Skywalker and he pulled strong machine J off of him. And, you know, and that led to act three, which was Skywalker and Diamante, the last two left and Skywalker not having the same loyalties to Diamante that Diamante had to him, which is probably going to set up the next six months of the promotion. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they did it. They did it great too, because it's, it's those two guys left and they're, you know, they're buddies and they kind of, they do the thing that I always say you should do. Like anytime I watch an old Royal rumble or something like that, or and I review it behind you know our paywall flagship patron.com, by the way, you know, it'll be like two tag team partners and it's like, Oh, they got to face each other. And I'm like, no, they do not. They can just <laughs> sit in the ring, knock everybody off. And then at the end of it, it's those two. They can they can shake hands and they can decide who's going to win at the end of it. But they no, the powers of pain do not have to fight each other. They can just sit in the ring and throw everybody out. No, you know, earthquake and typhoon do not need to face each other. They can just stand in the ring. A new guy comes out. They toss him out until they're the last two left, and and they can do that. And that's kind of what you know sort of happened here with Shun and Diamante working together. Diamante, you know, sacrificing himself to keep Shun alive. And then it's just them two left in the ring. And then Shun and, and Diamante, they they kind of embrace. They do a little bit of, all right, well, the best man, let the best man win or whatever. And, you know, they kind of shake hands or whatever. And then Shun, an absolute asshole, just attacks Diamante and then ties his mask into the cage and then climbs up and then, you know, wins and and, and forcing Diamante to unmask. So and, and does it in such it's it, not like he the other thing with Shun, too, he didn't hit a move and then like you know, walk up there while Diamante's passed out. Like he tied his mask in the cage so that he couldn't get out, but he was still there. I mean, physically he was fine, but he had to sit there and watch this asshole climb up to the top of the cage, get his mask and say, fuck you. Now you have to unmask. And then the guy, and then, and then he shit talked them afterwards too. So he, you know, it was very important that they established earlier in the match that Diamante did. He could have gotten out, but he saved Shun. And it's like, and then Shun just betrays him in the end and then talks all that shit to him. And, and you know, that's going to set up, you know, Diamante as a baby face and, and probably, you know, the next six months of whatever they're going to do with these two guys. So the thing about this match was it was so well booked and really so simple in its layout with the three distinct acts that it's the kind of match that anybody can parachute into. You, you without ever having watched Dragon Gate in your life, you can watch this match and understand everything that's happening. And, you know, that's a testament to simple booking that also works for the hardcores because they told a million different stories within the context of the match as well. But anyone could drop in and enjoy this match, you know, even without the English commentary. With the English commentary, it's even better because Jay does such a great job laying everything out and explaining everything. But, uh, really a great match from that standpoint. So, and, and you know, the other thing I really appreciated about it is they worked it like a cage match. They didn't go in there and do a bunch of wild, wacky spots. Or It was pretty brutal. I just punched and by kicked Dragon the hell out of each standards. other. Yeah, a lot of punching, yeah. a lot of kicking, a lot of, you know, especially people teaming up. Like, several points of this match were just, like, three people turning around and beating up one person or whatever. Or, you know, two guys beating up one guy. But it was mostly punch, kick, punch, kick, punch, kick, punch, kick, which is fine. I have no problem with that in a cage match. And I don't need... Yeah. yeah, right, right. And using the cage as a cage and, you know, logically working the cage, you know, guys pulling each other down and, and the, the spots where people saved other guys, it just, it, it was worked like a cage match and it wasn't worked like a match that happened to have a cage, which you do see sometimes, you know, and it's like, if that's the case, why have a cage match? But 
yeah, I liked everything about it. It wasn't the most dynamic match, but it told a great, it told multiple great, great stories. And, you know, as Dragon Gate cage matches often do, it's set up what's going to happen in the promotion for the next whoever knows how long, six months, a year, two years, whatever the case may be. And Diamante gets unmasked and away you go. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's always emotional when someone gets unmasked, uh, particularly a um, a Mexican wrestler, you know, especially. And, you know, he's uh, he's he's in for a, a big change now without his mask and now his baby face and all this. So, um, no, I, I, I really enjoyed the cage match a ton. Um, I don't have many good things to say about the rest of the card at all. Yeah, I, I, Cage is great. Definitely go out of your way. If, if you have to watch a match from the show, that's absolutely the one. I mean, I, I would just fully recommend that match. You know, it, not even just like, hey, if you're going to you know bounce around between the show or whatever, just just watch this Cage match. If you, got, if you have the Dragon Gate Network, if you have any way to watch it, definitely go out of your way to watch that one. It's, it's well worth your time. It's well worth. It's emotional. Uh, they just did a fantastic job. So, Like you said, so many good stories, long stories that have been told for years upon years upon years. Uh, shooting Skywalker, you'll see why he's the guy that we pointed out at the beginning of, of this segment of just like head and shoulders above a lot of the other young guys uh, in that company. And and yeah, it's always kind of fun that now you have a new chapter in this guy. Diamante, we don't know. This is is the beginning you know, of, of this new chapter. Who knows where it's going to go? Who knows if it's going to be successful? But at least you were there. You saw that moment where that new chapter began for Diamante, where we're you know, whatever it may be, whatever comes forward after this, like that's a big, important moment, a big emotional. And, and you know, it's just, you know, he's got tears, you know, Ultimate Dragon's got tears. That, that's that stuff always hits your heart pretty hard. Like well, you he's said, a made guy. Well, Diamante is a made guy now because oh, yeah, yeah. even Ultimo's promo where he talked about how here's a guy, Chris Collinsworth. Now, here's a guy. Now, here's a guy <laughs> who who comes over from Mexico to Japan and he's in Japan during the duration of the pandemic strange culture to him doesn't speak the language plus he's getting used to working in this new place and then over the course of the last few years he really became the backbone glue guy of the promotion arguably the best worker in the promotion during that period and i think that there's some loyalty to him now because he was loyal to them and he worked hard and he integrated himself and he really has become one of the easy standouts of the entire promotion. So I think that he's, uh, I think you're going to see him get an enormous push coming out of this, you know, moving forward. You know, obviously he's going to be this feud with Shun and then wherever we go from there. I, I really think with this guy, the sky's the limit. And I think he can be one of the top foreigners to ever come through this promotion, which is saying a lot because you're talking about Dragon Gate. You're talking about Pac. You're talking about Pac first and foremost. You're talking about Ricochet. You go right down the line. You know, this has always been a promotion through all of their incarnations who have embraced bringing in the foreigners. And I think he has a chance to be one of the keynote foreigners in the history of the promotion because of the, the nature of his rise and the obvious admiration that they have for him there. So, you know, th this could this could also end up being a key moment not just for him, but for the promotion moving forward. I could see him being the Dreamgate champion someday. Oh, for easily. sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah, he's got he's easily. got a good look. I, I think the look is, is good. He's got height. He's got way, I mean, height relative to most other 
wrestlers he's probably got size. not he but he's got he's size. got size in dragon gate for sure it's good size and it's great size in dragon he's good size for I mean, like a wrestler a, a good sized wrestler yeah, yeah he's a big great guy. size you know? though in dragon gate especially if you want him to be like a big time main eventer and have that power you know to sort of and but he, he's such a good worker and, and i know you've written about that a lot uh on our patreon of just like you know last year i think you wrote it a bunch that this guy is like kind of creeping up to the point where he maybe caught a lot of people by surprise. They're like, this dude's one of the best workers in the world. And, and, and far and away, like it's, it, I would put it between him and J- Jason Lee in terms of the best guys in Dragon Gate, but he's been quietly uh, Diamante, quietly one of the best workers in Japan for, for a couple of years, just like, you know, consistently great work, getting better and better and better. And yeah, it all feels like it's coming together here. And yeah, this is, this is one of those things that's a loss, but it's really, it's, it's to get him to that next level. And, and yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I fully expect him to, you know, make it to that main event, make it to the dream gate, make it to the top of the company. Now, you know, does it all work? Does it all deliver? I, you know, we'll, we'll see, but I have no reason to bet against him right now. I, I, I don't know why you would bet against him really. Cause every, he's, he's done great. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't think the unmasking is going to be anything. I think it's going to be a benefit to him more so than, than, than you know, for some positive. people it's a he, negative, but I don't, I don't know. I, people think it's a negative for him. I don't know. I, thought, I don't think anybody um, thinks it's a negative for him. I think sometimes, Guys sometimes it can be, yeah. Oh, that's what yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's I mean, in a sure. globalized sense, like sometimes it, nah, the guy out. gets unmasked, and it's like, yeah, a lot of the aura is kind of gone or whatever. Yeah, not yeah, with yeah. this guy. I mean, no, I, no, I, no, I think no, he'll I be just fine. I don't get that sense. I mean, I like to see him work a tour. You know, we'll see, but I don't get that sense. I think there's some parallels between him and El Hio, Doctor Wagner Jr., and Noah, where it, I see a similar thing happening with him there, where sort of underneath the surface, he's becoming one of the better workers in the company. And that's kind of what happened with yeah. Diamante and Dragon Gate. Mm-hmm. It kind of caught Except you by surprise. A, little by little, you're like, yeah. wait a minute, hold on a sec. This guy's one of the best workers here. What the hell? Yeah, and then you turn around, El Hio, Dr. Wagner Jr., like he's he's in the best match on like all these shows, that these Noah shows. And then you're like, wait, this guy, is he one of the best? You know, and that's kind of the Diamante effect that he has had with Dragon Gate over the last few years. And I, I do think um, there's some parallels there between those two guys. Yeah, obviously with Luchadors coming over and – establishing themselves as regulars in a Japanese promotion and then really thriving as workers. And then you see where it goes from there. This guy's going to be a top star here. And then we see what happens with the other guy in Noah, but Noah's so fucked up from a booking standpoint that who knows? I mean, (laughs) it might not even matter, but um, anyway, I just think it's interesting because I do think there's a lot of parallels between those two guys, but uh, yeah, no, the cage match was, you know, just after, after, I really found the rest of the show to be a slog. I had a lot of trouble getting through it. It was just it was just dry and, and emotionless and boring to me. But, you know, I got to that cage match. I took a break after the Dreamgate match. I watched the cage match. In fact, I think I watched it the next morning and with a fresh set of eyes because I wanted to be fair to it. And I'm glad I did. I think I would have liked it just the same, though, But if I hadn't taken the, sh- the break. But, um, yeah, the cage match was just classic pro wrestling. And classic pro wrestling storytelling. So that I can't recommend enough. But um, I don't know. That, that's uh, that's dragging it. It did good. Did good business. Had a good main event. I just uh, I don't know about the rest. And like I said, more coverage. If you want to learn more about Dragon Gate or, or more about Kobe World, uh, review up at VoiceOfWrestling.com from Case. Uh, always worth a read. Uh, Case Low. Nobody writes about Dragon Gate more or, or better uh, than, than Case Low. And open the Voice Gate. Uh, as well uh, on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. They did an extensive review uh, of this show, including an extended segment about Shun Skywalker as well and how he's just ascended to this next level uh, of, of greatness over the last year, uh, too. So that is available, Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. He's such a shitbag heel. Oh, it's guy. the best, like, yeah. 
It's so good. He's one of the best heels around because he he's he's so hateable and he and he finds new ways to be hateable and he's not interested in being cheered or liked at all. At all. You know, and sometimes it's hard for a heel wrestler because they still want that admiration or they want to be the cool heel. Or I was going to say, he has no problem being the fucking asshole dickbag heel. And there's not... People don't realize that that used to be a thing because so much of of modern wrestling history is cool heels. You know what I mean? Like a lot of... Ever since the NWO, really. Right. NWO did it. Edge was one of the best at at being a cool heel where it was just like, yeah, I don't know. Is this... I'm out... He's outsmarting everybody and he's better than everybody. And it's all this sort of stuff. It's like, that's not really what the heel's supposed to be. Whereas Shun Skywalker is just such a fucking prick that it's perfect. Like I said, he didn't beat Diamante with his move. He tied him in the, up in the fucking cage and then walked up and said, ah, you know what I mean? Like instead of, you know, he could have easily out-wrestled Diamante and beat him with a move and, and left him laying in a pool of his blood as he climbs up the cage. But no, he tied his ass in the cage and walked up and waved at him while he was doing it. And, and that then talk is, shit afterwards. And then, and then talk fucking beat you. Yeah. You're such fucking lame. How did you believe that I was going to be your friend? How would you believe that I had loyalty to you? You're so fucking dumb. Oh my god. You know, like and you there's this to yourself. All that. Right. I mean, right. It, like it's preposterous, but that's that's what a heel does. That's what a good good heel does. So yeah, I, I, he's 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 fucking tremendous. So uh, uh, good stuff there out of that cage. Definitely uh, watch that cage match if you get a chance. Uh, to do so, uh, we're going to stick in the world of Japan. Let's talk about All Japan Pro Wrestling, Joe. Yuma Aoyagi is your new Triple Crown Champion. He defeats Yuji Nagata in 21 minutes and 18 seconds. Uh, this was a hell of a match, man. I loved, loved, loved this match. Uh, let's first, before we review the match itself, let's talk about this. Yuma Aoyagi wins the Triple Crown what did you feel when you were? What did you think when you saw that that he was the guy that they chose to end this very good? I, I love this Yuji Nagata reign. I can't wait to do a deep dive, like I said about this in like five years, where we do a deep dive on Yuji Nagata's you know triple crown reign. But I thought the reign was great. What did you think of Yume Oyagi being the guy to end it and win the triple crown here? Yeah, I mean, we we barely talked about this last week. We just talked in broad strokes about. You know, what, who knows what the original plan was? Uh, would Ashino have won if he didn't get hurt? I, I don't know. Was Aoyagi always the plan? I don't know. Would um, Yuma Anzai ever got, you know, I think it's safe to say Yuma Anzai would have never gotten that title shot in June if Ashino hadn't gotten hurt. We do know that. Um, T Hawk probably doesn't get the title shot right because again that was kind of a fill in for Ashino. Both of those were, or maybe they would have. I I don't. You know, it's hard to say what the plan would have been. They had major injuries now to two of their young stars. Yeah. They were setting up for big moments. And it's uh, so they go with Aoyagi here, and whether it's the plan or not, I feel like the timing is pretty good because Aoyagi has been peaking over the last six months or so. Um, I didn't love the match. I thought it was a good match. I didn't think it was a great match. I'd go like three and three quarters or something. Um, I, I thought the Yuma and Zai match from a couple weeks earlier was a little bit better. Oh, I, I would maybe agree with I was, that. No, I, I would agree with that. Maybe I was more wrapped up in Anzai being this literal rookie. We call people rookies sometimes when they're not. But, you know, this literal rookie getting a triple crown shot so early in his career when we know he's going to be pushed to the moon. And maybe I got wrapped up in kind of the historical context of that and the story of the match of him fighting from underneath. And maybe that's why that match did a little bit more for me than this one did, but it was a good match. 
Um, I don't think it was a classic or anything. It's not going to pop up on match of the year list or anything like that. And, um, you know, Aoyagi is now, what, the second youngest Triple Crown champion, I, I think? I believe, yeah. He is 27. And I think Kento, when he first won it, I want to say was 26. Don't quote me on those numbers exactly, but but I'm pretty sure that's that's what the breakdown is. So he, he's definitely the second youngest. I, I don't recall the exact ages that everybody was, but but yeah, he's definitely second youngest ever. Yeah, and I guess that ends Nagata's little run here, which I thought was very good. Even, you know, before he won the Triple Crown, I, I thought his little All Japan run here was good and beneficial and it helped freshen things up. Um, they, they have felt fresh. We've been talking about it all year. We're now in July. Okay. They have felt fresh from January onward. I mean, Minoru Suzuki popping in now and then I think has helped with that. Nagata popping in. I, I will even say that, um, um, what's his name? The, uh, 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 even Onita with the all all Asia tag titles. Right, right. It's, it gives you a different feel. You know what I mean? Sometimes well, those all Japan yeah. you know undercards can yeah. just kind of feel like a parade of dudes that are just like, all right, I, I don't. <laughs> great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who the hell is this guy? But yeah, it has made it feel a little bit different. And and you know, Kojima was on this show as well, so they've 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 done a, a good job. Hanma was on the show as well, so they've done a good job of kind of integrating dudes from all across the country. Yeah, have I loved the exploding? deathmatch gimmicks underneath no but th- there's like a silly charm to them because they're not counted on to be important parts of the show or anything and it just gives all japan a different feel which they desperately have needed over the last couple of years and you know and and guys like you man's eye rising up and and all the silliness going on with voodoo murders which at least feels a little different you know i don't love everything they're doing in the company but it definitely feels like a fresh, vibrant company this year. And now we have a fresh, vibrant Triple Crown champion. And and I do think this is good timing for him. So now we see what happens. And they've kind of, you know, he's a double champion too. I mean, you don't don't forget that. He's so a tag champ. Yeah, he's a tag champ right now. It's Yeah, so it's a big push for him because he holds the tag titles with Kento Miyahara. And you know, obviously, you know, it doesn't take a fucking brain surgeon to figure out where they're going with this. They're obviously going to feud over that Triple Crown at some point coming off of the tag team and all of that. I think, I think that's, I, I mean, that's what I would do. I mean, I, it seems obvious to me that that's where this is going to go now, but um, there haven't been many double champions in this company that were ta- world tag team champions and triple crown champion at the same time. And, and um, it's very obvious. His foil is right there. It's the guy that defends those tag titles with him. And, you know, uh, I can't think of a bigger feud that this company can do right now than Yuma Aoyagi and Kento Miyahara battling over that triple crown. So, um, you know, they did a little over a thousand in Cork and Hall. Nobody's really drawn in Cork and Hall right now, except for new Japan. I, I think that's a decent number by the standards of post pandemic. Oh, for a sure. Over a thousand for this. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, you know, cause new Japan's doing what, like 1400 right now in the building. Um, let me see what they just did for these shows. Yeah, that's I, I mean, that's kind of where people are. I know there was that Fortune Dream show uh, last uh, last month, I want to say, was that Fortune Dream show. I, I, I just uh, I want to go actually check that out because it looked like a pretty fun show. But I think that one and those shows are like special attraction shows that usually are pretty, you know, booked with a lot of, you know, top top tier talent. And I think that yeah, I'm looking at it now 1355 for that. Uh, Fortune Dream, which again is not a show that runs there regularly, and and they do kind of stack it with as many people as they can, and that one's still only getting you know thirteen hundred fifty five. It's just yeah, Corkin's been tough for a lot of people. Well, fourteen hundred's a sellout right now. New right. Japan's doing fourteen hundred when they sell out. So, you know, I look, 
in the in 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 the grand scheme and and historically putting barely a thousand people in Corkin for a triple crown match you know you, you you're not going to peacock over that right but coming out of the pandemic and looking at what other companies are doing in that building right now usually under a thousand you know, I can't kill them for that number you know it's not bad right so we'll uh, you know I know if- Mitch Noku Pro did like a you know 30th anniversary show or whatever in there and they got you know 880 <laughs> people in there it's just it's- yeah it's tough it's tough right now it's it is tough right now, and and you know so we'll see, um, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I again, I didn't think I think it would help if he would have won it in like more of a classic, uh, world title match that you know people that had some match of the year buzz or something, but, um, you know, it, 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 beggars can't be choosers. It was a good match. Nagata did his job, put the guy over. You know, stood at the entryway when Aoyagi was cutting his promo and and really let it sink in and put him over and and, and did what he was supposed to do. Um, you know, the rest of the card, um, I watched Lindemann win the junior title from Atsuki Aoyagi. Ah, that didn't do a ton for me either. That was a very disappointing match because I have higher standards for Lindemann because I think he's phenomenal. And I did watch the Kento Miyahara and T-Hawk match against uh, Tomoaki Hanma and uh, Rena Yabe. Yabe is the kid from uh, Taka's uh, uh, promotion. He's the tall kid. I don't know if you've seen him. He's he's really tall. He's like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's big-ish too, right? I, I, I think his weight-wise, yeah, he's just, uh, just a step-out guy. Yeah, he's he's big. He's what? I think he's, I think he's legit 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, right? He's a big, tall Somewhere guy. Somewhere in that range. He's, um, he's tall, especially in Japan. He's I, like, wow. <laughs> dude, he's a big dude. He doesn't have the best natural feel for it, but as I pull up his information, it looks like he was a basketball player. You know how I feel about basketball players transitioning to Yeah, it doesn't usually go works. well. doesn't usually go well. For whatever reason, that muscle memory or that it just never converts well. Um, and it, it's obvious in him because he's not the most natural. He doesn't look like the most natural athlete in there. Um you know, and Hanma's completely shot. Hanma is, but we all know that. That's not breaking news to anybody. Tomaaki Hanma is just completely shot. It was all over for him when he broke his neck. He came back from the broken neck, and he's never been the same. Right. He's a mm-hmm. shell of himself. And he probably needs to wrestle to live. I mean, you know, he probably didn't make a shit ton of money in his career, and, you know, here we are. But, um, you know, that was, you know, just, but they didn't try to work a match of the year or anything. It was just an entertaining tag. And I didn't watch the rest of the show. There was just so much to watch this week. So I just watched the top three. But um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to Aoyagi. I think this is something a lot of people wanted to see. Uh, we knew it was going to happen eventually, but um, it happened now. And I'm hoping a lot of people in Japan are excited about this and that this can help continuing all Japan to inch forward. Because I, I do feel like. They don't have a tidal wave of momentum, but they're they're they they're they're inching their way. Right, their their arrows pointing up. Their arrows definitely pointing up. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, we uh, we 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 see where we go with this now. Yep. So I'm looking forward to it, and I think down the line, sometime this year, I think Miyahara and Aoyagi may have that match of the year level buzz triple crown match in them that they've kind of been teasing along the way here. That might happen. That's probably going to happen at some point later this year. 
So I'm looking forward to that. For sure, for sure. And yeah, th- this match, for, for those that maybe wanted to check it out, it is not that level. Like, I, I liked it a lot, but it's not like, yeah, it's not going to be on any list. It's it's probably a solid four and a quarter type match or whatever, which is good. Like, that, that to me, that's pro- I think that's what I ended up rating it. I, you know, I, I thought it told a really good story. And, and you sort of talked about Nagata and the fact that he did things the right way. And Nagata is a professional through and through. And he did things the right way here. He the match itself was Nagata sort of not necessarily taking this taking it lightly, but more, you know, I'm the veteran. I'm the champion. All right. Yeah, you're here to do this little cork and haul, you know, defense. Let's do this. But pretty early on, it felt like he was against the ropes and that Yuma maybe got caught him off guard a little bit. And he was pretty much the aggressor. You may for a lot of the match as well. And there was a, you know, obviously a few spots where Nagata was able to get his shit in. And then a few spots where, you know, he does the, the backdrop driver and it's like, Oh shit. All right here. And the crowd basically was like, all right, yeah, it's over. And then it will get kicked out. And then from that point forward, the crowd goes nuts. And then pretty much, you know, the last couple of minutes, the crowd's starting to realize, holy shit, this kid's going to maybe do this. This kid's going to maybe do this. And Nagata worked his ass off, worked his ass off to make all of AOI stuff look good to sell. Well, it's not as good as the Yume Anzai match that we were talking about from a couple of weeks ago, but but it was still pretty damn good. And I, I was watching it. I was so upset. I, I just Aoyagi throws the super kick and it misses by like five feet. It's not even close. And it sucks because that was one of the big spots was that Nagata was going to stand up and then Aoyagi was just going to super kick him and then go in to get, you know, all of his, you know, little you know, he does the backdrop driver and then he does his I forget what his finisher is called or whatever. But he misses the kick, but Nagata still sells it like death. Nagata still sells it like, oh, my God. And and, you know, more than anything, like you said, the end of it, the end of the match was instead of Nagata rolling out of the ring and getting out of there as quick as he possibly can, like, you know, some veterans may do. He lets it soak in. He lets the crowd chant Yuma. He gives them a little bit of the thumbs up or whatever, like, ah, you've done well, kid or whatever. It just gave him everything you could possibly give him. You know what I mean? And, and, and really let it sink in that this guy, you know. My reign is done, and this guy has defeated me, and he was better than me on this night or whatever. So I'll, I'll give all the credit in the world to Yuji Nagata, not only for being 55 years old or whatever. I think he's around 55. Being 55 and, and, and being as good as he was in this run. He was really, really good in this run, and I've liked a lot of what I've seen from him. And this is a guy who I think you and I even a couple of years ago were like, I think we're done here with Nagata. Like there was always this. He could do it like once or twice a year. Remember in New Japan, he would have one of those matches a year and we were like, God damn, he still has it. Still has that in him. But then there was one year where he didn't have that match. And I think I, I maybe I wrote it in the New Japan ebook that we were doing at the time too, where it's like, all right, we finally reached the point where he just doesn't have that match in him anymore. And then he comes here and he has you know, four or five really, really awesome triple crown. And he was had good matches even before he won the triple crown. But when he as the champion, like a lot of really, really good matches here. So I give him all the credit in the world, too, for busting his ass when he doesn't really need to. This isn't his home promotion. He's just in here to kind of, you know, help guys and, and sell some tickets and all these sort of things. He doesn't really need to do this. But he went out there and he delivered big in, in just about every single match that he had in this triple crown run. So so all the credit in the world to him, too, because. You don't have to do this. You know, he, he, he's a made man. He doesn't have to do half of what he was doing in these matches, but he was busting his ass to try to get that next level over, getting Anzai over, getting Yumi Aoyagi over. So all the credit in the world to Yuji Nagata. And yeah, just a really, really good run that uh, I definitely recommend. If, if, if you're trying to do an All Japan catch up, definitely watch uh, as many of those matches as you can, because I, I just thought he delivered well. Well, I remember him dragging Suji Ishikawa to the best match that, he, that yeah. he's had. Oh, yeah, how good was that match? Right. Yeah, I forgot about and, that one. And, I was even counting Ishikawa, that one. You're right. That match rocked. You know, so, and, and you know, Gerard DeTrolio, no relation to Finn, in the chat, he says that, you know, uh, with Anzai beating Ashino in the, in the champion carnival, it's possible Anzai was going to get the title shot anyway. Yeah. 
I mean, but it's like against Ashino, though, maybe? Like, maybe Ashino would have beaten Nagata, and Anzai, because he beat Ashino in the carnival, would have faced Ashino instead of Nagata. But with that said, it makes more sense for Anzai to face Nagata because Nagata is his mentor. You know what I mean? So right. it's like you can make arguments for a lot of different things. Like this well, credit have- to them. Credit to them, man, because they, they did set up like there was like four or five different ways this could have gone, which is good. Yeah, because at the end of the day, for all we know, maybe Nagata just would have beaten Ashino as just, OK, here's the champion carnival winner getting his shot. And it's just a one and done and we're moving on. And maybe this has all played out the way it would have anyway. And the only difference was T-Hawk ended up in that first slot. You know, maybe Nagata Anzai was always going to be a match that was going to happen. Maybe, you know, Nagata was always going to lose to Aoyagi. But, you know, so maybe we are overthinking it. But it it just seemed like the injury set off a, 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 just a chain reaction Mm -hmm. of, of, of changes there. But look, it's all behind us now. And now it's Aoyagi's title. And quite honestly, I think that's the best path anyway. So... And they've done a good job of featuring him, too, this year. I mean, in the all-together, you know, he was in that big-time match with, I forget who was all in that one, but he was kind of the all-Japan rep for the one It was with Okada, and uh, I mean, let me get the whole match set up, because it feels like all-together was, was so long ago at this point. Uh, da, 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 da. The all-together, again, yeah, it was Okada, Kano, and Aoyagi versus Tanahashi, Kiyomiya, and, and, and Kento, so that was a big spot for him there. You know, I mean, he was in there with the tippy-top guys, and and they, you know, they also did that later. You know, he, he's been featured pretty well in, in a lot of these uh, big time. You know, so it's not like this guy came out of nowhere. But like you said, they've been slowly but surely building him up where it doesn't feel like he's the ah crap. We have nobody else left. So give it to this guy. Like he doesn't feel like that guy. He doesn't, no, feel, he doesn't like, feel like that at all. Like yeah. the oh, we have so many injuries and we don't want to give it to Kento. So yeah, Yuji, you yeah, got to go. Let's just so. try this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're no. up. And that, it felt and that used to happen a lot. I mean, for the yeah. last couple of years in all Japan, it did feel like it was like ah, this guy. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> like or ah, just give it back to Kento. Screw it. Who cares? Like this does feel like they have had him sort of ready. Maybe he wasn't the choice. Maybe they didn't go into the year saying this is what we want to do. You know, in July we're going to have this guy win the title. But they've been doing enough building him up that it does make sense. And again. And that's a credit to all Japan. They have a lot of different ways that they can go with a lot of their young talent, which kudos, you know, again, credit to them because they had to work pretty hard to get there because it was not that way for a while. There was a while where it was like a wasteland, like an absolute barren wasteland of, of, of that next generation. And now it does feel like there are a few guys like they got a Shino on the right path until the injury. They got Anzai on a very, very good path. He, he's kind of a made dude anyway, but it felt like we were on the cusp of, OK, this guy's there. I know he's got this injury that apparently is going to take him out for like two weeks, even though it's a pretty major injury, but we'll see what ends up happening there. And then now you have Yumi Oyagi. So they, they've done that. And, and there's a bunch of other that they I, I will give them a lot of credit. And they are, like you said, arrow pointed up, but they feel like they have a really good plan in place moving forward over the next you know year or two with, with, with the young guys coming up. And that's good. And there's always Kento there, too. So you always have that guy who can go out there and have a great match with any single one of these guys. Well, they were trying to get. Naoya Nomura back in the mix and he got hurt, right? Right. Oh, Did yeah. He yeah, get hurt yeah. Too? yeah. So it's like, and, and they were just kind of, you know, getting him back in the mix and getting him, you know, back into the company. And, um, you know, but, but the, the Aoyagi thing, like, if you remember when they, when they put the triple crown on Jake Lee, that felt more like, all right, we have to shit or get off the pot yeah. and at least try this guy. We have to at least try it. That is not what this feels like. No, no, no. This feels like, the natural time to go with someone new as opposed to we can't wait around for this guy to get it forever. 
So let's just give him the title and see what happens. And this title win has a completely different feel than that, you know, and, um, you know, the way Nomura works, I'm not sure people realize he works smaller than his size. He's a big guy. He is a legitimately large athlete. You know, he's over six foot tall. Um, he's got some beef to him, but it, it's like you don't think of him as a bigger guy. You know, he's six one. He's listed at six one two thirty one, And I don't know necessarily if people view him that way. You know, Jake Lee always had the height, which was always part of the, um, you know, uh, sort of allure with him. And, um, you know, Nomura was just kind of coming up underneath as this guy who, um, who ultimately to me is probably has more upside, you know, and, and, and Jake Lee's always going to get chances because of his shoot background and his height. And, you know, there's just things in Japan that they're always going to covet. Um, you know, but, but it's, I, I don't know if Aoyagi, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I do think I, I, with the level that, you know, his work has been so good and he's someone that I think that those fans and that promotion, they see this as an ascension as opposed to throw, he's not someone that they feel like they're throwing against the wall yeah. to see if he sticks. Right, right, and right. I and I do think that might help to make a difference. For sure. And as, as, um, as Gerard pointed out, he's pointed out in our chat room, as well as uh, he he was the guest on the match of the week uh, this week at flagshippatreon.com, yeah. where the, the match of the week was Yume Aoyagi versus Kento Miyahara, uh, December 14th, 2014, which was Yume Aoyagi's debut. So you can see the first match of him, and then uh, you can go watch this match here. But uh, he he kind of pitched it for you. You know, you know, Normally, you do the write-ups uh, uh, for match of the week on our Patreon, but this time it was you know Gerard, who, who also co-hosts the Emerald Flow Show here. Uh, on the Voice of Wrestling podcast. Now well, we're gonna... well, let me tell you what happened there. He yeah. he suggested the match because the match made sense. Aoyagi's debut, which happened to be against Kento Miyahara. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a super interesting match. But then I pitched to him. I said, why don't you just do the write-up? <laughs> right. You're the best guy for this you job. Know? So it's yeah, yours so, now. Yeah. <laughs> so if you if you want to do it, you know, I didn't tell me. I, I was like, if you want to do the write-up, you're more than welcome to step in as a guest because I'll do that now and then. You know, I'll have someone jump in and 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 do the write up. So, you know, and he did a real good job with that, and people really seem to enjoy it. So, anyway, yeah, a lot a lot of history, a lot of details on 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 how Aoyagi got to this point. Highly recommend uh, checking that out. A little bit, you know, a lot about his background, a lot about all Japan history and stuff. But you know, one of the things he points out, and you know, right at the top is Aoyagi is the first post Wrestle One Exodus All Japan Dojo trainee to win. The Triple Crown. Now, that is an interesting one. Now, so Jake Lee, he originally debuted in 2011. That was two years prior to the Wrestle 1 Exodus. So, yeah. and then he obviously left and came back or whatever. But this is like a bunch of those guys left to, to, to go do the Wrestle 1 thing. All Japan was they basically. All left, they all left with Muto, if yes. people don't know. That's yeah, if you don't know what happened, Muto was in All Japan after his whole, you know, <laughs> the, the path of Muto goes in many different ways. But then, you know, he was in All Japan for a very long time and, 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 and sort of building that company up. Then he leaves and takes a lot of guys with him to wrestle one. And All Japan's kind of a wasteland, you know, after that, left with pretty much, you know, just the scrap heap of, of, of guys left and had to sort of rebuild over the years. And this is a long time we're talking about, man. This is, what, 2013 that that exit has happened. And it took a long time, man, for All Japan to feel like they were there. And, yeah, this is now a guy who who is a dojo trainee that won the Triple Crown. And he is the first one post-Wrestle 1 Exodus. So, again, that's like, to speak to your point about the fans feeling like this is a guy who belongs here. You know, this is a guy who we've seen come up from 
literally day one in 2014 to where and he is right now spot. and earn this. Yeah. And he, he lost along the way a lot. I mean, last year he won the, he won the champion carnival, got a match Kenzo Miyahara and Kenzo just beat him. And I remember us being like, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just kind of what they, but they did well, it. Well, is this some, is this some light bulb booking? Is it possible they had this long-term plan? Yeah, and it's that possible. was kind of a setup for the, you know, and now the, the roles will be reversed. You know, uh, you know, and if it's not, you could certainly make it work with head cannon, you know, it, it, where this is all. So, yeah, I think that's why it's exciting to think about them as tag champions. And then eventually, you know, Kento, because Kento's been out of the mix for a while, you know, for the Triple Crown. And uh, to get him back in the mix, um, well, I guess Nagata, he, Nagata beat Kento, right? The guy uh, yeah. Kento. yeah, yeah, yeah. He beat Kento. Uh, so he hasn't been out as long as you think, but you know, I mean, he had it earlier this year, but um, but you know, he stepped out of the way for Jake Lee, and then Jake Lee, uh, you know, got hurt, and then they had to go back to Kento, but that wasn't really what their intent. I think I have the timeline right, and then you know, uh, so they, they've been trying to kind of get Kento out of the way here for some other guys, and and you know, he's been doing some other things since he lost to Nagata, but now later this year, I think that's what you go back to. I think that's your strongest match. I think that's your best drawing match that you have right now. And you use some of these guys from New Japan to help give you a boost, a little Onita in the mix. And, you know, now we see the back half of the year, if they can carry the momentum and maybe have their own guys draw some houses now. You know, that that's what you look for in the back end of the year for All Japan. And I think that's the obvious money match. For sure. So that uh, that was All Japan. If you want to check that out, uh, that is obviously on All Japan TV. Uh, they, they do a good job of their streaming. Their, their stuff looks good. And it's pretty easy to find and, and, and whatnot. So definitely recommend uh, uh, their streaming service. But uh, last, last bit in Japan here before we move over to America. I did not watch these shows, so unfortunately, Joe, you're going to have to do the heavy lifting here. Uh, New Japan Strong had the uh, two days back-to-back Independence Day shows, July 4th uh, and July 5th. The July 4th main event, El Desperado and Jun Kasai. Uh, versus Homicide and John Moxley in a doomsday no disqualification tag team match. Uh, and then July 5th, they came back with a final death match, Moxley uh, versus Desperado. I uh, also had on July 5th, uh, Eddie Kingston defeating Kenta to win the New Japan Strong Openweight title. Uh, did a great promo. I did watch the promo that he did, though. He there, it, it, it made the rounds online. You could find it pretty easily. Uh, you know, Eddie Kingston talking about how important, you know, winning this title was. Uh, for him and uh, some other stuff along the way, just real quickly, uh, we were wondering about the the War Dogs and like what they were going to do and uh, you know what titles they were going to win. Well, uh, most of them, <laughs> most of them, uh, New Japan Strong Openweight Tag Team Titles. Uh, the Bull Club War Dogs defeated Bishiman, uh, so Alex Coughlin and Gabe Kidd are your new New Japan Strong uh, Openweight Tag Team Champions. And then Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney uh, defeated Catch Two Two to win the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team t- uh, Championships on the July Fourth show. Uh, they. Uh, the only one they did not win, though, uh, as we predicted, uh, IWGP tag team title match. Bishiman did retain that that title, though, uh, defeating Coglin and Gabe Kidd on uh, on July fifth. And uh, the other, you know, note, I guess, big note here: uh, Julia defeats Willow Nightingale uh, to win the New Japan Strong uh, Women's Title. But uh, yeah, Joe, you saw the shows, so what uh, what did you make of of the shows? Any highlights? Anything that that I should definitely check out? They're both good shows, top to bottom. They're fun shows with great energy. What I found interesting was, you know, these are New Japan strong shows, you know, the the, the branding of the American arm of New Japan. And the Cork and Hall fans came there 
to watch New Japan Strong in the same way that they come to Corrigan to watch Fantastica Mania, in the same way that they come to Corrigan to watch the old ROH shows, whatever those were called, when ROH would come and, and run the run like shows just like this in conjunction with New Japan. Like they were doing American chants, like this is awesome. Oh, that's cool. And stuff like I, that. the Corky crowd. Yeah, man, I love those guys. It's the Kaiser girls, they, they do so good. Yeah, they're such smarts. I love it. It's a smarky crowd, and they were they were reacting to the show the way Americans would react to a New Japan Strong show in America. So these are people who are paying attention to New Japan Strong on New Japan World, and they 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 gave it. They went out of their way to give it the authentic New Japan Strong feel. If you could actually believe that, there's fans in Japan who are into this New Japan Strong and <laughs> yeah. the way that those shows are, you know. But that's how they came across. They were hot for everything and everyone, and they were hotter for some people than others. Uh, Lance Archer is just a god in that building to New Japan fans. They, they comes out. He works these mid card matches. They introduce him last. He comes out and he just gets incredible reactions every time. June Kasai, the Freedoms fans came out for this. His fans came out for this. I think that a lot of New Japan fans popped for the idea of him working a New Japan main event because he was over like a motherfucker in that main event on night one. I mean, they, these people came to see the crazy monkey. They got the crazy monkey. That match was... Uh, for, for the style of match it was, it was very good. You know, I have a limited appreciation of guys maiming each other in a death match. But, um, yeah, I went notebook on it, you know, and, and, and they went out there. I, I preferred the Moxley Despy match the next night a little more because I felt it had a little more structure and it had more history behind it with the Moxley Despy feud now on chapter three by, by that point. Um, but the, 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 the one on night one was so much fun. I mean, you couldn't deny just because of the way the crowd treated Kasai, and, um, yeah, it was just a riot. I mean, you know, Moxley, he did the skewers in the forehead. Um, and, you know, he, he, he goes all out. He doesn't, just because he's a big star and a millionaire, you know, he, he doesn't treat these matches like that. He's, he's, he loves this shit. And um, he wrestles like he loves it, and he's there to, to fucking bleed and do all the spots, the board with the forks on it that Kasai brought out. And, uh, you know, he was bumping on that board just like all the other guys were. Despy loves – Despy's a fucking sicko. And he loves all this shit too. <laughs> also doesn't and, need um, to do this shit but chooses to. So it's, it, you know, you appreciate yeah, that a little and, bit. And Despy and Kasai won. You knew that they would. You knew that Homicide was there to take the fall because you had to put heat on the singles match the next night, you know, with Despy and Moxley. And, um, you know, it didn't matter that the, that the outcome was never in dispute. You know, it was it was easily the best. I shouldn't say easily because let me tell you something. That War Dogs versus Catch Two Two semi main event was great. Uh, you know, Connors and he's now Drilla Maloney. Drilla, Drilla yep. Maloney, in New Japan. It's even on the Cryon. Drilla Maloney. So, uh, look, Akira and TJP, especially Akira in this match, he took some hellacious bumps. He did a dive. They were brawling in the up in the balcony in the uh, bleachers. And he did a dive over that um, entryway, like off the entryway down, you know, onto the guys below. You'll see guys do that a couple times a year, but he did that dive. He did a dive, uh, a scary one back at ringside where he went uh, flipping over the top rope. And then like the Bullet Club guys didn't catch him properly. And he took a flat back on the floor and I thought he was dead. 
Uh, TJP looked real concerned too, but he was all right. So Akira worked really, really hard in the match. Um, and Catch 2-2, another great match. They lost the titles. I really wish they didn't, their title reign didn't get interrupted, and I, I wish this was a clean ending of their title reign. Um, but, you know, they had to win them back and before this and all that. But uh, those were easily the two best matches on the show, and I preferred the uh, the Doomsday main event to this match ever so slightly. But everything else on the show was either good or a lot of fun. Even the stuff that wasn't necessarily good was fun. Um, you know, like Kingston and Romero versus Gato and Kenta, the interactions between, you know, Kingston and Gato and things like that, you know, made for a fun match, uh, you know, and, and the New Japan strong people, like I said, were all over, like that bad dude Tito come out there to face the DKC. These people were there to see New Japan strong. <laughs> they were there to you see know, bad and, and, dude Tito. I love it. Yeah. And the DKC and, and, you know, um, yeah. And, and, you know, the, the openers on both nights featured the freedoms guys who came with Kasai. So, you know, Dragon Libre, who I thought was a real standout of the six-man on night one, he took the fall. A lot of times that's how it goes, right? Like the guy who's going to take the fall, like they'll give him the shine mm-hmm. because they know he's eating the fall, you know. But I thought that he looked really good. The other guys were a little too shindy for me, and they were doing spots with like a stuffed animal. I don't need that. You know, that annoyed me. And they did they did the stuffed animal spots the next night too. But it was the pre-show match. So you can't harp too hard on it. Um but, you know, and those guys, it was a big spot for them. You know, they're Freedoms guys, and they got to work a New Japan show in Cork and Hall. And, you know, they were they were seconding Kasai later in the night, and they they acted as the seconds for the death match the next night. And that was probably a big deal to those dudes, you know. So uh, good for them. And um, you know, I'm not going to go match by match on both nights. It's going to take too long. But night one, basically, uh, the mid-card was a setup for the singles matches the next night. Kingston worked opposite of Kenta. Uh, Willow worked opposite of Julia. You know, uh, you know, she teamed with Momo and, and Julia teamed with that Thecla. And uh, they had a little, you know, perfectly competent tag match. The strong title change with Coughlin and Kid over Bishimon was a good, solid match. And then the next night they did the rematch. And as we figured, that was a way to get the strong titles back on a strong team that's right. going to work in the U.S. and keep the other titles on Bishimon in light of, you know, the whole thing with Aussie Open that screwed up probably all the plans. So, um and Lawlor worked a singles match night one against Kosei Fujita. Um, you know, Team Filthy was over on both nights uh, with these fans. So uh, that was night one, which I thought was the slightly better show, only because it had the two, uh, the semi and the main were, were were great matches. I didn't think Kingston and Kenta was a great match. Your mileage, your mileage may vary when you watch it, because as we know, Kenta's washed. And this was one of those nights where Kingston just didn't look that good physically. And he has those. He has those. Now, and people are going to get mad at me because it's this big, great moment for Eddie Kingston. I get it. Like, from that standpoint, it just delivered. But it was hard to suspend disbelief down the stretch because I didn't think either guy was good in this match. I thought they both looked like guys who are clearly on the downside, which they both are. Physically, they're both on the downside. Yeah, well, good. I mean, good thing the G one's coming up, and they're both in it. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's why I say when it comes to the G one with Kingston, he's gonna have two matches that blow everybody's doors off, and he's gonna have two matches that are two of the worst G one matches you'll ever see. That is a guarantee, uh, because just the physical state he's in, he's gonna have matches with certain people where it's just a disaster. I mean, I hope people are prepared for that, but at the same time. He's probably going to have a match or two 
which people which are going to be phenomenal. Oh, that match with Ishii is going to be fucking tremendous. Yeah, I mean, if it, you know, so this I thought. Look, if you're watching this for smooth work, look elsewhere. I mean, I thought it was messy, but you might not need this to be. If you're just wrapped up in Eddie Kingston and the emotion right, of right, it, right, you're, the the vibes of it is it might be enough for you to 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 get by. Yeah, it's the vibe. Like, did those spinning back fists look good? No, they looked awful. I mean, he didn't look good in the match, and it's not like he's in there with you know prime Kenta. He's in there with another guy who sometimes looks like shit. So, um. You know, from a technical standpoint, I can't put that match over, but it had the emotion and they had a good closing stretch plan. They just did it in slow motion. They they both work at 0.75 speed. I mean, you know, so, but, but yeah, Kingston in tears and, you know, whether he was working or not, it came across like it meant a lot to him. That's all that matters, right? Like it, it, it came across genuine, whether it was or not is immaterial. You know, his post-match promo, same thing. Like, you know, the promo in the back, you know. So, really great moment. I, I struggled with the match itself, though. You know, I have to be honest. Moxley Despy was the best match across the two shows uh, for me, edging out the main event from night one. Um, probably better than the match they had in the U.S. I haven't really thought about it, but I probably prefer this one. Uh, looking at my notes, I went... Uh, four and a half minus on Moxley Despy. And I went four and a quarter plus on the tag from the night before. So essentially the same. Mm-hmm. But I, I preferred the second night a little more. Um, and yeah, like night one, the rest of this card was a lot of fun. You know, the, the Bishimon Bullet Club rematch where they attacked him before the bell coming off the heat from night one. You know, and, and they had another hot match, very similar to the match I had on night one. Uh, Julia versus Willow. Eh, it was all right. I mean... Um, it was okay. I don't know. Um, I, I feel like early in the match, they were uncomfortable with each other because it was a little messy. But as the match moved along, I thought they they kind of got into more of a groove. But it, it never hit a gear where I thought it was a great match or anything like that. Um, but it was, it was good. Like, there's nothing bad on these shows. Uh, the floor was like two and three quarters, in and out in seven minutes and having some fun. Um, they turned that match. We talked about this last week, but with Connors and Maloney winning the junior tag titles, they turned that match into a title match with Rocky and Yo. Rocky cut a promo. He said, look, Yo's a five-time champion. I'm an eight-time champion. This is New Japan strong. Let's make this a title match. And Connors and Maloney did the heel thing where they're like, no, 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 no. And then Mal- Maloney was funny. He took the He took the mic and he was like, no, I had many drinks last night. Many drinks. No, no, no title match, right? And uh, you know the crowd laughed at that. But then they called down uh, one of the suits. I think it was Sugabayashi. I don't know which one it was. Doesn't matter. Rocky called down the suit and was was pleading with him to make it a title match. And then and then the heels got brave and they're like, you know what? Fuck it. We'll defend the titles. And then uh, so they made it a title match. That popped the crowd. And then the heels ended up winning anyway. And then you know you know, cut another heel promo. So that was probably for my money, the second best match on the show. Um, if you, you know, if, if you weren't hot on the work between Kingston and Kenta. Um, and yeah, and Oscar Lube had a mist had a mystery opponent because uh, Kratos got in, got injured the night before. So it ended up being Satoshi Kojima. And when his music hit, you know, the building popped for that. 
So um, those are pretty much all the highlights of both nights. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E330. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The UFI has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four month lifespan, two-way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24-7 customer support, and you'll love this, none of those pesky monthly fees. Yuffie sent me a Smart Lock 330, and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus, it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car if I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys, and the two-way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock ufiofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. All right. So there you go. I, I, it looks like I do want to I do want to check those match, those shows out. So I will definitely... I, uh, keep those in mind. It looks like enough fun stuff throughout that. And and knowing the crowd was all in on the fact that they were watching a New Japan Strong show just helped me even more. And I kind of, you know, because Cork and the Hall, they'll do that for a lot of things. Like you mentioned, Fantastic Media, they'll do it. They did it for the Honor Rising shows, I think, were the Ring of Honor shows. That's cool. I love that. It's, it's like, that's one of the things that every year when Fantastic Media would come, it's one of my favorite things. That they get the Vuvuzelas out. They get all the noisemakers out. And they just have a hell of a time. And that seems like it'd be such a cool atmosphere to go there and be like such a smark. You know what I mean? Like, the, you, don't, you don't get that in America. 
You know, you, you tend to get like a lot of American crowds that will sort of all do the same thing no matter where you are. There's a few crowds that feel a little different or whatever. But, yeah, the fact that these people can just, you know, they'll go to that show and say, OK, who are, wh- what is the show? You know, who is running this show? OK, cool. We're going to adapt to what they do and, and, and try to give them the most authentic thing here in court. And it just rules. I love that they do that. So. That's you know, fun. Archer made it seem like him and Zayn are going to be a tag team moving forward. I kind of like that he, team. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see this match, so I can't speak to it. But I, I like. I think I like the vibe of that team. I think I do. They beat the TMDK C team with Bad Dude Tito and, and Kosei Fujita, and then he did mic work, and he said he he, they, he called them. You know, he combined the two nicknames. He called them Murder Sauce or something like that. Because Alex Zayn's gimmick over there is that he loves Taco Bell. He sauce loves Taco Bell. Yeah. So he made it – I don't know if he was just doing an impromptu thing because he, he was so over and he wanted or, – or if he really was instructed to do that and they're going to be a team on the American shows. I don't know. He made it seem like they're going to be a team moving forward though. Um, you know, okay, I'll give you a little something. The, the, the second night, Akira and TJP, they're facing Homicide and, and Rohe Oiwa, Okay. I knew in a million years they were never going to do it because Oiwa is still a young lion, like a full-on young lion. He's not even Kosei Fujita, who's like the young boy of TMDK, but not really a young lion anymore. And he's not like, you know, he's he's still a full-on young lion. I really wish Catch 2-2 would have lost that match. And the reason is they just lost their titles the night before. It was a, a kind of a violent match. Akira took all these crazy bumps. I wish in pro wrestling, especially in a situation like this, they thought about things like that more. Akira should have came out all taped up. You you know what I mean? Right. They should have wrestled like behind the step because they went through this grueling title loss the night before. And that would have been the perfect spot to give Oiwa a big upset win because he's not going to be a young lion much longer. Right, right. They're a little off. Like they they they're not their heart's not fully in it. They're they're injured, they're annoyed. They're beat up yeah. Physically. You know, and, and and you know, that's the kind of shit like not to fantasy book, but that's the kind of shit I would do. You know, and it'd be the perfect opportunity to put the young lion over and he's not like He's an advanced young lion. Like, he's not a guy with the shaved head who's just doing Boston crabs. Like, he's not going to be a lion much longer. So if you're going to do that kind of upset with a young lion, this would be the time to do it, and this would have been the perfect opportunity, but they just don't do things that way. You know, they just – these guys just do not win. You know, you could put on one hand count the time. They just don't do it. But I'm watching this match thinking, man, this would have been the perfect opportunity to do something cool like that. You know, and kind of, you know, catch two twos kind of in the shitter mentally and physically. And this guy steals one, you know, and then and then if you want on on like the next tour that they're all on, they could just beat them and get the win back, you know, and you can tell that story. And and, but I don't know. It's just it's just kind of stuff that a lot of these bookers never think about and never do. and, And I wish they did. But anyway, overall, both shows were a lot of fun. My advice would be. Every single title match is worth your time, all of them. And uh, your mileage might vary on some of them. I know I, I saw people who, obviously the Kingston Kenta, there were people who liked it a lot more than I did. Um, and I didn't hate it, but, uh, you know, and, and and there were people who really liked Julia Willow more than me too. You know, I would maybe go three and a quarter on that, but I've seen people go as high as four. So, um, you know, every title match is worth the time. 
And then I would say, you know, if you're pressed for time and you can't watch the entire shows, I would pick and choose your favorite wrestlers out of the other matches because every match on both nights was a lot of fun. None of them miss. None of these matches miss from that standpoint. There you go. So that's the New Japan Strong. Uh, and these are, for the, by the way, if you are going to watch these, these are not available. If you're a New Japan World subscriber, it's not enough. You do have to buy these as pay-per-view shows, right? And I, I don't, are they going on in the free aspect or they are the free area of New Japan World or are they always pay-per-views? I forget now how that, how that works. If, if they're, I, I, I listen, I, I think we're going down a bad road. Um, I think eventually we're going to be paying Nine ninety nine yen for this shit, and paying for all their big. I, I think that's coming. Yeah, well, I, you're I, you're paying for Wrestle Kingdoms. You're paying for G one yeah. Finals. You're you're paying. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's horse shit. But what are you gonna do? You know, it's like if that's the case, I don't want to pay nine ninety nine a month. Like, right. I'll just I'll, call, I'll just come me, pick and choose the big shows I want to watch. Yeah. Right, but they're not going to do it that way. They won't do it that way though. Like they, they'll they'll make you you they'll make it to where you can only buy the shows if you subscribe. Isn't that the way it is now? Like, I don't think if you're a non-subscriber, you could pay for these shows. <laughs> yeah, I don't I know. I might be wrong. The chat will know. The chat will the know. The chat will know. Yeah, but, I, I don't think I've bought one of these pay-per-views yet. So I, I don't know how this works. That's that's kind of why I'm asking. I wasn't sure if, like, after a week they show up on New Japan World. But I think they're almost always on that the, the pay-per-view section of, of – uh, uh, the website, but yeah, I, I don't know how it works. The chat, the chat will know, and we'll we'll, we'll jump in when they uh, uh, when they say it. But um, well, New Japan Strong is now matches off of these shows. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you know so saying? I'll just yeah, I'll just watch through New Japan Strong. So, then, so. you can watch them on New Japan Strong because when New Japan Strong has shows in the U.S., they eventually get slow rolled on New Japan Strong. Right, right, right. The oh, okay. Show. Yeah, well, then that that works out perfectly so would, then. I don't see why this would be any different if that's what you're asking. I didn't really understand what you were asking. Well, I was just so, asking, like, is this something where if I wait a week, it's going to be free on New Japan World or do I need to pay for these things like this week? Or what, you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't know if it was something If I had like to guess, I'd say these matches will get slow rolled on new, weekly on New Japan Strong, but you won't get all of them. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, I'll figure it out. So, you know, wait it out. I mean, you might end up four weeks from now getting Kenta, Eddie Kingston or something. For the nine ninety nine that you're paying, all right. So, I don't know. I just think this all leads to a bad. Oh, you're you're you're, to... you're paying for yeah. You're paying for Russell Kingdom's the G one finals and and King of Pro Wrestling's yeah. yeah. Every single one of these major shows you're paying for soon enough. Yeah, they, we 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 said at the time they did the test case with Stardom. They they kind of dipped their toes in it for a little bit, and now it's like, yeah, it, it's yeah. The, the fun the fun is over. The nine ninety nine is over. We all had our fun. We all had our laugh. WWE Network realized it didn't work. And everyone's going to realize it doesn't work soon enough. And, and yeah, it's going to be back to paying, you know, the good old days. Ustream, what was the uh, Nico Nico? Back to the good old days of Ustream and Nico Nico. Nico so, Nico. Remember yeah, Nico Nico? You remember when uh, you'd load up the screen and there was just a thousand chat messages coming yeah. up. And you're like, what is going on? It's all in Japanese. You had to close a thousand things and you finally got, eventually you got there, but it was like, God damn it. What is this? What am I doing? You had to, you had to buy your Nico Nico points. Remember? <laughs> right. and my, my, my cards would oh, never my work. Bank. And they were calling and like, Hey, we just found a fraud. There's someone trying to buy Japanese, uh, you know, pay-per-views yeah. uh, using your card. And I'm like, no, no, that, that that's me. <laughs> that is me. You're okay. So, that, I remember watching um, World Tag League like house shows on Nico Nico. I remember the debut of Luke Gallows. I went out of my way to watch that on like, Nico <laughs> Nico, and I'm like, 
what am I doing with my life? It's like Luke Gallows and with like the chat chats going across the screen. <laughs> All the emojis. Like, like it was just like a thousand emojis and stuff. Yeah. Against like Yuji Nagata and fucking, I don't know, maybe I don't even know who he would have like strongman or some shit. It's like, why, why <laughs> am, I, post, what am I? I think we were post strongman at that yeah. point, but I don't, maybe we weren't. Maybe we weren't. No, you know. it's like, what am I doing? And like, the, the, one of those <laughs> it was world so tag expensive too. It was like a, <laughs> every one of those Nico Nico shows is like thirty nine dollars, and you're like, I gotta, I gotta buy it though. I have to. I can't. Points? I can't not buy it. I bought all. The, I bought twenty seven thousand Nico points. I got to use these some way. May <laughs> so, as well use them, right? To watch Luke Gallows uh, debut in New Japan. <laughs> Oh, yeah. good old Nico Nico. So I think I think and it's then all stream. But... Remember, it's like tw- it was like nine uh, G1 shows for $120. And we and were, we were like, happy. We were like, fuck yeah, man. Great. That what rules. a deal. That's like $11 a show. This is great. I, remember, like, <laughs> I remember that year uh, you bought it and I think we either split it or something like that. And it would be like you couldn't sign on with two people at once or else the whole thing would crash and it would just be a disaster. So I remember texting you during that G1 and be like, are you done? You're like, yeah, I'm done. I'm like, all right, cool. I went in when you were, it was just like, yeah, we were trying to buck the system a little bit because it's, yeah, it, was a, it's a lot of money. But like you said, at that time we were like, what a value, really? <laughs> Not G1, yeah. I guess we're going back to that, man. Going back I to that. we double, honestly. To yeah. Because yeah. the novelty of seeing the G1 shows live oh, was yeah. just mind-blowing. Like, that changed everything. Do you remember the you quality know, like, of Ustream too? That shit looked beautiful it too. It looked thousand times better than New Japan World looks. Ustream fucking looked good. It, and it and it I never got the buffering wheel. And this was like 11, 12 years ago too. You know, when when all these other streaming services fucking sucked ass. And remember Dragon Gate was on Ustream. Rich, we used to pay like Eighteen dollars for Dragon Gate Core. I know. I, at at the end of the year, uh, I think my total Dragon Gate payments in like 2013 and 2014, I paid like six hundred dollars for like all these Dragon Gate shows because you could get Corkins, you could get uh, all the major shows. The major shows were like twenty five or something like that, and it was like fuck yeah, man. They were they were like twenty five dollars. Yeah, it was it was you know, and, and then you'd get the G one for one hundred twenty. Yeah, yeah, you'd have several hundred dollars racked up <laughs> by the end of the year. And and, you, and gladly, I, I would buy gladly these, do it gladly because it was such a novelty too you know uh, to 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 watch I was like oh my god Dragon Gate Corgans live in my fucking den <laughs> what kind of fucking world is this you know and uh, it you know but you look at the price it's like we 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 gladly we would have paid double I'm telling you we would have paid oh, double for sure for sure. Because we thought those were bargains. Well, especially because, that 2013 you know, G1 man, I'd I pay ten thousand dollars to watch that G1 again, man. God damn. Oh shit! Night after night, and it was just night after night. It was just like thirteen straight nights. Just, I remember, I was just physically. I felt like I wrestled in that tournament by the end of it because I was writing the reviews every morning, right after the shows would end, and I was just determined to be the first review up on the internet. And we were every morning. We were every morning, and we were, and it helped us grow. Like, but then I was like. I can't do this. Like after the first couple of years, I'm like, I cannot do this anymore. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a man in my prime and I'm physically worn down by staying up all night, bleary eyed. And then, and then trying to write good reviews too. Like I wasn't doing like, I, I was going to name people. I probably shouldn't do that. I, you know, I was trying to write good reviews. I wasn't just trying to write move recaps and fucking shitty, you know, a star rating on a two sentence review it was a lot of fucking stress and it wore me down yeah there was i I definitely remember one of them you sent me it had to be like night 10 or whatever and it was like 
you weren't even making sense. Your sentences were awful. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Joe, you got to go to bed, man. Just forget. It's okay. You're like, get it up, Rich. Get it up. I'm like, I got to edit this thing. These sentences don't make sense. You're like, well, well I'll read you. I'm like, just go to bed. <laughs> it's okay. I will figure it out. We'll get it up. We'll be out before everybody else. Trust me. Nobody else is spending, you know, $112 to watch all these G1s and, and getting a review up at, at 7.30 a.m. We'll be okay. We'll be fine. But yeah, he started getting real bleary-eyed. And yeah, the the, the descent into madness was, was becoming clear uh, as you sent each new review. And you're like, here we go. Here it is. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> what do we got here? But we got them all. We got them all. They all they're yeah. all good, too. I'm sure they're still up in the archives. VoiceOfWrestling.com. Uh, don't do that. Don't read those. <laughs> they're probably pretty good. No, they're probably good. Please don't. <laughs> Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad half of our audio is gone too. I just, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, weird, weird about it. Anyway, all right, so let's get out of Japan here. Let's go into the world of America. Before we do that, though, I do have to let you know that this episode of the flagship podcast is brought to you by Bet Stamp. Sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity, and we want to connect you with an opportunity to get started and get ahead. Having multiple sport sportbooks accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits and there has never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page at betstamp.app slash VOW, that's B-E-T S-T-A-M-P dot A-P-P slash V-O-W. You'll be connected to all the sports books in your region along with a review of each platform as well as its unique benefits. And all of these sports books have valuable sign-up offers for new users. And when you register through our link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one. Also, when you use multiple sports books, you can ensure that you always access the best available odds, which is the key to successful sports betting. We've talked about BetSnap a few times on the show, but one of the key things about BetSnap is, yeah, not only do you have an access to sign up and get all those new user offers and new deals or whatever is going to come to you from a new sports book, but then when you have BetSnap, you can also line shop as well and find the best odds for whatever you're going to bet. You know what you want to bet. You know the game. You know the futures bet you want to do. You know the prop you want to do. Go with the best odds. Don't You don't have to be loyal to this sports book or that sports book. Go with what's going to make you the most money. If you want to take advantage of these benefits as well as support the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network, sign up for your next sports book at betstamp.app slash VOW. Again, that's B-E-T-S-T-A-M-P dot A-P-P slash VOW. Betstamp.app slash VOW. And we thank them, of course for sponsoring this week's show. So, all right, let's get to the world of America, Joe. Let's talk about money in the bank. WWE money in the bank and the the bloodline civil war, the Usos versus the bloodline. I'm going to go right to, let's go right to that main event. Then we'll kind of work our way through the rest of the show. We get 32 minutes and five seconds here in this main event. We get about a 25-minute promo package before the match starts to kind of catch you up on this Emmy Award-winning story. Uh, and then it's, you know, it ends with Jey Uso getting the pin over Roman Reigns. First time Roman Reigns has been pinned since, like, October of 2019 or something. It was sometime in late 2019. It's been a long-ass time since Roman Reigns has lost, and they finally do it here with Jey Uso defeating Roman Reigns in the Bloodline Civil War. So uh, we'll dig into this match a little bit, but overall, what do you think of that match? And and sort of, you know, we, we've had our thoughts about the Bloodline and the Usos thing or whatever. Uh, what do you think about this match, main event of uh, Money in the Bank 2023? I mean, it's just not for me. Um, it's It's not about the match. It's not about the action. It's about, you know, we know what it's about. And um, 
I've ranted on it plenty. It's just so it's funny because everyone, the people who love it think it's so great and well done and well performed. And I find it so inauthentic. And I think that's why it doesn't connect with me at all. There was a moment after the match was over, after Roman had lost. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, he's sitting outside the ring with his back up against the apron. And he's all distraught because he lost. This is Roman now. And he's muttering into the camera and just, you know, sobbing and all of this. And then there was a tweet of someone who had filmed it from their seat. And you can see the cameraman and another assistant or stagehand or something directing him like with hand signals like okay go and then roman right turns power on the and fear cry sob get angry then, yeah now and then there's another guy like doing like fingers like a countdown like it's not pro wrestling rich you know it, it, and and it just it comes across so inauthentic and um it's just not what i i, I don't like it I mean, it's just, and and it's a problem because I think this is the this is <laughs> get fucking the used to it, man. I mean, this thing this thing worked. This storyline is working ever since Sammy got involved. It kind of flipped the switch with their fan base, where they weren't just praising it effusively online. Now it's drawing real money, yeah, and they're selling lots of tickets, and they're yeah, the lifeblood of, of it. For those who haven't followed over the last three years of this is uh, it started as like, wow, this is a really unique way to kind of utilize the no crowd Thunderdome thing with Roman cutting the mid-match promos against, you know, Jay. We, we talked about those. That was in like the fall of 2020 when they were in the midst of the Thunderdome. And it was like, oh, OK, this is a unique way to approach these matches where these guys are going to kind of talk loudly while the match is going on and slowly work. And Roman was doing his heel turn. So it was all felt different and strange and kind of like, all right, yeah. And they got a lot of praise because it was like, oh, wow, they're doing something different with Roman. Finally, they're trying something different or whatever. And that kind of that praise, like you said, sort of lasted for about a year, year and a half and nothing really changed, you know, even when crowds came back and then it started to get a little cold where people were like, all right, I don't know, like what's really going on here? What's the next level? Then Sammy comes in and then it starts really lighting on fire and like people lights the Roman stuff, but it wasn't drawing money. It wasn't getting attendance. You know, it wasn't really people weren't buying tickets to go see it. People weren't really watching the shows to go see it, but it was being praised by a lot of, you know, uh, hardcore, hardcore WWE shit. fans. Yeah, the hardcore WWE fans thought this was like the next thing and this was so great. And a lot of us were just like, eh, I don't know. It's not working and 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 I just don't really like it. Sammy gets involved and now it's just the whole thing's on fire. Now it's it's making money. People are going to see shows. It's doing grid ratings. It's doing huge social numbers. It's doing everything you could possibly want out of it. And is still being praised as like this this next level type stuff. So yeah, that, that's sort of where the timeline went. Is that's is, what really took off, and and from a business standpoint, because now SmackDown does two point five million viewers every week. Early on, they were just still hovering around their two million, right? You know, and every now and then we do a little under two million. Well, we would make that would joke that like they'd announce Roman for a show and it didn't matter. Nobody went and bought tickets. It didn't, matter. It didn't make yeah. a difference. Correct, and then even the ticket sales. But now the ticket sales are on fire. Now the SmackDown rate. Now Raw. Raw isn't quite the, uh, on the same, you know, they just did 1.8 million viewers this past week. Now I get it. It was, uh, what was it, the day before the 4th of July? Do you want to, 
Do you want to blame this July 3rd matter? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe Raw will bounce back next week. But the point is, SmackDown undoubtedly, you know, they do 2.5 million every week now. And they're selling a ton of tickets. And this thing is just undoubtedly working for their audience. And instead of me just telling everybody why it doesn't work for me, which we've been doing for three years now, it might be more interesting to talk about how this isn't this. They're going to do more of this. I mean, NXT is this. Mm-hmm. If you yep. watch NXT on Tuesdays, they're teaching their developmental talent. They don't cut promos anymore. There's no such thing as promos in NXT. It's all this kind of shit. Little skit, little fucking one act plays in between the matches, pre-shot on a set. You know, that's that's how they're bringing up their developmental talent and it's increasingly becoming what you see on raw and smackdown and it's even it's and because they're the market leader it's going to bleed into everybody else as well i already think i wasn't sure if i was ready to expose the flagship audience to this take i think it's bleeding into AEW already i think they are are they are shook by the bloodline thing and i'm starting to see signs of this kind of shit on dynamite not to the full extent, but I think they're dipping their toes in the water. Uh, I'm going to leave that at, at that for this week. This isn't the week to get into that. But this is going to be highly influential because it's something that worked. And anything that works in wrestling is going to be influential. Right, especially when and they do I, it. Especially when the top company in the world does it. Yeah. And I think this is bad, bad, bad. I mean, I, I am not looking forward to a world where this bullshit catches on the same way that cinematic matches did and everybody was doing cinematic matches and that kind of, you know, post the further we move from the pandemic, the less we're seeing of that. Okay. And plus none of those cinematic matches were as successful as this thing has been, but you know, people are going to lean into this and try this shit. And I, to me, it's, it's, it's a little depressing from my standpoint because I hate it. It doesn't work for me at all. In fact, I find it off-putting. I, I actively avoid a lot of time SmackDown because I don't want to sit through these bloodline. Um, I, 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 I can't even... My natural inclination is to say skit, not promo, because that's what they are. It's like little one-act plays every Friday. I know. So <laughs> for people that didn't see, before this match, they, they run like a 25-minute. It's the longest pre-match promo you've ever seen in your oh, life. I'm so bored. Getting through tough. the whole story of this. And, and they're, you know, it's three years. They got to get through three years of stories here. But, you know, they, 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 they'll skip over like an entire year because nothing happened in the entire year. And then they're focusing on the, the promos or, like you said, skits that led to this match happening. And I'm watching this. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't understand why people. It's the Usos, and so it's after Night of Champions or whatever, right? What the hell was the show? I think it was Night of Champions or whatever. Where the one where Jimmy turns on Roman? Who <laughs> yeah, fucking whatever. cares? Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> let's, let's call it Night of Champions. So let's go with Night of Champions. Yeah, great. Works for me. Um, so <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's Night of Champions. I don't know what it is. I don't care. Well, and the turn. Yeah. <laughs> so so Jimmy turns, but then like they have to go to SmackDown. And Jay's like, or Jimmy's like, you with me, Usa? You not with me? Are you? You're my brother. Are you with me? Or are you with him? Our cousin? It's like they do the thing that you always mention, where every time they have to say cousin, brother, cousin, brother, cousin, brother, as if we don't know that the Usos are brothers well, and that yeah, Roman's their the cousin. Thing. It's like there okay, might be, there might be one person watching who doesn't know that. 
So they so play the whole promo, and yeah, Jimmy says, "My brother, you're my brother, you're my brother. That's our cousin." But I'm, a, I'm, we're blood. I'm brother. Like, All right, I get it. Yeah, I get it. And we then heard the, you, your brother. We heard <laughs> yeah, you. We got it. We were okay. Oh, Solo was also okay. We get it. But like, also your twins. We're not, <laughs> right, we got it. And they're going through this promo, and they're playing it out, and it's like Jimmy saying, "Are you with me? Or are you not with me?" And Jay's like. No, I don't know if I'm with you or not. And then Roman comes up and Roman's like, no, I'm with you. And then he hugs Jimmy. And then he goes, no, I'm not with you. And then Solo turns on Jimmy. And then Jay has to decide who he's with. And he goes, Jimmy, I'm with you. Wait, no, I'm not with you. I'm with Roman. No, I'm not with you. I'm with Roman. It's like, and then he super kicks Roman. I'm with you. I'm not with Roman. And I'm like, what is this? Why was this good? It's what? Been, and it's been three years of this. I know. And they're just sitting in the ring saying, Oos, cousin, brother, are you with me? Are you not with me? Do I trust you? Who do you trust? I'm your blood. He's not our, you know, we're supposed to be a family. He's not your blood. I'm your blood. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm watching and this. And, and they're do- I don't know if you saw us, but they're doing another trial. They're, they're doing a trial. Yes, way. of course. A trial. Great. It's just like, I, I, the thing about it is, if you want to say, I think where I land on a lot of this is that I don't think it's, I think it's bad. It's not for me. Like, I don't like it. But I'd be fine if somebody said, hey, this is a good story they're telling here. I'm glad there to be as is is trying to tell a long-term story. That's fine. If you wanted to say that, I don't know that I could argue with you that, oh, they're trying to tell a long-term story here and they're putting a lot of effort into it. Because they are. They're clearly putting a lot of effort into it. They're clearly telling a long-term story and it is clearly working for them, ratings-wise, financially, all that sort of stuff. But I just, I can't get down with like, this is cinema. This is the greatest thing to ever happen in wrestling. This is the greatest story in wrestling history. This is the greatest story in WWE history. Cause it's not. And when you challenge people to like, okay, why is this the greatest story? What are the twists? What are the turns? You kind of get left with nothing. People will just say, well, it's, it's easy say to say it's, it's the greatest ever. It's the greatest ever. Yeah. Okay. Well, it, how and why? why? Yeah. It, it, and then there's people who say how complex it is and you say, well, what's complex yeah, about give me, it? Give me the complex because I'm sitting in the ring and these guys are just saying, I'm with you. No, I'm with him. No, I'm with you. No, I'm with him. No, I'm with you. No, I'm with him. And then they throw super kicks at each other. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like the greatest story ever told. Like it just seems like four people. And it's been that, that same story for three years. Right. It just seems like at one point an Uso doesn't trust Roman. Roman doesn't trust an Uso. The Usos have to decide which are they with each other or are they with Roman? And sometimes they're with each other, and then sometimes they're with Roman. And, and in this sometimes case, Romans, and sometimes Romans' manipulations and gaslighting works. And now it has. Now they finally right. And I up. guess that's good. But I, see, I'm going to disagree with what with one thing you said. You said they're finally telling a long term story. I don't think they are telling a long term story. I think they've just been repeating the same shit for three years because it's working. And they're dragging it out, and there is no story. What the fuck is the story? The story is Roman is a manipulative insecure asshole who's gaslighting his family right i think we would all agree with right, that right right like, that's no been since day one yeah no it's been since day one and they've just been repeating the usos being too dumb to see this like almost coming to clarity and then falling back in line that's been the story for three years and finally they turned on him after three years i don't think this is any kind of brilliant long-term story this is the company hitting on something knowing it's successful and just dragging out the same story as long as they possibly can to milk the most money out of it that's what this is 
What's this great long-term story? What is it? I don't even think they know where they're going. They just take it week by week and stretch it out in every conceivable way that they can. I don't think there is an endpoint. In fact, Triple H himself said that there was no endpoint. He said that. It came out of his mouth, not mine. So I, I disagree from that standpoint. I don't think this is a great long-term story. If it, then someone tell me what the fucking story is then. Because it never, it took three years to have any advancement on the fucking thing. So how good can it be? Three years. I, I don't know. I, I, I hate to be condescending or rude, but I think you have to be very simple to be entertained by the same story that never advances for three years. But you must be simple-minded to be entertained by that. And, and, and when and it does advance, maybe it's you not... Want, and maybe that's what you want. Maybe yeah. you want something simple. Or, but, but if you genuinely think, like Rich is saying, that this is some kind of brilliant fucking cinema, you're out of your fucking mind. It, it, I, I don't, someone explain it to me then. Because what am I missing? And I really didn't want to do this for the 9,000th show. But it's unavoidable. Because it's the same fucking thing that we that we have to do. Like, I'll, to me, it bores me to tears. I am so not interested in anything that happens among any of these people. Oh yeah, well, well that well nothing that ever does happen. Well, that pre match promo was going on for you know twenty five minutes, and it's Jay, you know, getting to the mic and being like, "No, enough. He's my brother." I'm like, "Oh my god, uh, what are we doing? Three years. Oh, enough. There's no advancement." And then they did. They finally did advance it. So I'm like, oh, thank God we did something. But like, I don't know. I, I just, I, it's, it's one of those things. I just, I don't get it. I, I, I just don't. I don't. And it's, it's going to be one of those things that I'm just not going to get. And like you said, I'm, I'm That's worried. It. And we're going to get it. Yeah. And it's going to be, it's going to be a big thing because it's, it's, it's clicking with that fan base. It's clicking with a lot of people. And it's just, I don't get it. I, I, I am now that guy that's just like, I don't get it. I just don't understand it. But it, it, it's, it's bad. But here's the thing. This is what we have to remember that unfortunately, and this has been the case, you know, forever, really bad entertainment from a critical standpoint is almost always the most popular entertainment from uh, a popular standpoint, whether it's really bad laugh track sitcoms. And the most popular example in recent years has been Big Bang Theory. That's not a well-reviewed show. Critics I was going to say, do, does anybody show. watch Big Bang Theory and think, oh, this is brilliant. This is great stuff here. Probably not, but it was the number one show on TV for however many years or whatever the case was, despite the fact that no one really thought it was good. Yeah, it was just, just easily com- consumable. It's easy to watch. It's easily consumable. Yeah. You look at movies and... Look, I know that the Venn diagram is almost the perfect circle. I'm not trying to insult anyone, okay? But these comic book movies have been the only things making money in Hollywood for what? 15 years now? 10 years, 15 years, whatever it is. And again, no one think, well, (laughs) I shouldn't say no one. There are some, I think a lot of people who even like the comic book movies for what they are, roll their eyes when people try to say that those are great films or great cinema because they're not. They're, they're just, they're, they're easy to watch. They're fun. You get bad guys and good guys. My point here is very often stuff that isn't critically praised, stuff that in fact is critically panned ends up being uh, enormously popular for whatever reason, because it's easy to consume. I think people just like 
turn it on their TV. I think wrestling fans like turn it on their TV on Friday night and watching the Usos and Roman Reigns do their little uh, one night, one set play for that <laughs> evening where they do the same fucking story over and over the same way that Sheldon tells the same fucking jokes on Big Bang Theory every week on fucking CBS. It's the same thing, Rich. I think that is the root of this. It's comfortable. It's easy. It's not complicated. And then you have this small group of people who, for, who, who, and these are the ones that get on your nerves, who try to make it more than what it is and try to tell you that it's some great story or, or that it's cinema or that it's, uh, you know, this, it should be winning Emmys. Which yeah, is, if you just say it's know. good, if you just say, I like this and it's good, I, I have no, it, it's when we get this, like, this is the greatest story ever told in professional wrestling. This is cinema. This should be winning an Emmy. Like, Jey Uso shivering with, you know, anger is not going <laughs> to, no, watch a movie for God's sakes. Watch a television show. No. Jimmy, Jay, Jimmy Uso listening through a cracked door making a scowl face <laughs> is not winning an emmy stop when jay's talking to kevin owens would get laughed out of any fucking emmy consider i mean it's preposterous we all know that's preposterous we all know it's junk okay it's junk it's pro wrestling pro wrestling is never ever going to be emmy it's never going to be it's pro wrestling at its core it's garbage we all know that and pro wrestling stories are never going to be deep and 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 complex that's the antithesis of a good story in pro wrestling pro a good pro wrestling story is these two people don't like each other and they're going to settle it. And yeah, it could be a little deeper than that. You can add a few layers, but you know, then that's the thing. When I say that this shit isn't cinema and this shit isn't deeper complex, I'm not telling you that other pro wrestling shit is it's <laughs> right. Not. No, no, no. There yeah. is no pro wrestling that is deep or complex. It's a, uh, it, it never really gets any deeper than, you know, Tetsuya Naito can't beat this particular guy at the Tokyo Dome. And that's the fucking story. And and it goes on for a couple of years until he does it. And now Tetsuya Naito's thing is he wants to do his roll call at the end of the Tokyo Dome because Kenta ruined it for him last time. You know, these are good stories, but they're not deep or complex. They're just very simple stories, you know, and, I, and, I, and I'm just picking out one. Right. Well, we know? talked about it earlier with Shun and, and, and Diamante. That was a great story, too. Shun kind of leading this guy in thinking, yeah, yeah, we're buddies. We're buddies. We're buddies. Nah, fuck you. You're we're not buddies. You know, go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> one guy has a conscience and the other one doesn't. And right. now they don't like each other because one guy screwed the other. Or, or Dragon Kid with a is- lifelong allegiance to, to Ultimo <laughs> Dragon or whatever, saving, you know, yeah. sacrificing his body so that his mentor, uh, you know, can 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 save his mask or whatever you know that yeah it's just you know it's fine we don't have we don't have to pretend that this bloodline thing is anything more than it is a repetitive story that uh people find easy to understand the same way that they find two and a half men repeating the same jokes every week for for eight years (laughs) oh but but the one guy is is goofy and nerdy and the other guy has sex joe and the boy farted (laughs) the boy smells and farted yeah yeah, it's like it's like it's it's all the same jokes every week, and and there's a comfort to that, and I I think that really is, and people are gonna think we're being condescending assholes. Oh, for sure, honest. for sure, that's, that's fine, that's fine. I wouldn't be the first but, or the last time, so I'm not worried about that. But I, I really think that's the appeal here. It has that same appeal as as you know, going to watch the fucking fucking Thor and the event, whatever the fuck, the Avengers, fucking the, the, the fucking Spider-Man. It's all the same. It's all disposable, but it's a good time for two hours. And I think there's nothing wrong with people just wanting a good time for two hours. You know, uh, that's always going to hold more appeal than an art house film, you know, and, and, you know, me personally, I'd rather go see the art house film. 
I, you know, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, you couldn't drag me kicking and screaming to a comic book movie. It's just not my thing, but I understand the appeal. And I, I think that's kind of at the core of what this bloodline thing is, but people just, they try to make it something it isn't. I mean, it, it, you know, so I, I don't know that that's, that's my latest theory on it and, and why it appeals to people. It's just simple entertainment and it, you don't try to twist it into something more complicated than it is. You know, I mean, the elite and hangman page, you know, it, it's again, everyone understands that story. No one tries to sell you that it's cinema or that it's, uh, you know, some kind of deep, complex story. We all get it. And, and, and we all understand what's happening. And maybe it's a little deeper than your typical pro wrestling story. When you factor in, you know, how the dark order feels slighted and all of that other bullshit. I get it. But again, none of this is like, you know, nobody needs to be sitting down writing a thesis on what all of this means and it's pro wrestling it's <laughs> right, wrestling right right and at the end of the day it's always going to be people that don't like other people and they want to beat them up for money or titles or pride or women well you don't really see much of that anymore because fucking you can't really do that yeah anymore. the women as objects of uh <laughs> the result of a wrestling match right uh, those yeah, days yeah. are probably but, over but uh you know, yes. historically though that was yes. a big thing of course you know, of course it, yeah it's uh you know so anyway i don't know the to get circle back so from that standpoint this story bores the shit out of me i don't think there's much of a story there if someone would who's into this would love to, would ex like to explain to me what makes this complex other than people side-eyeing each other and making faces look right like that's truly, not let, let, sell you know put, put your heart I into get it that. put your heart into it I feel and like you can publish it on his site right? we published a pro bloodline article this week you know for, for i want you to come on the show and try to explain to me why this is complex yeah like that's and, all we're you know yeah voices flagship podcast feel free i'd love to i cannot promise you you won't get attacked because we will absolutely <laughs> we are going but, to attack you but <laughs> if I, I i because i feel like i have a thorough understanding i feel like i have a better understanding of it than the people who actually like it like they think Roman's like the hero. Right, right, people. right. I did notice this was the first time in this match was the first time that that it felt like WWE promoted that Roman cheats to win all his asshole. matches. Yeah, yeah. Because like Michael, you know, I mean, the referee took a bump, and Michael Cole said, "Oh my God, he's going to do it again." And I was like, "Okay, we're starting to actually realize this guy's been a cheating fucking asshole for two and a half years or whatever." Because there was this there was this weird period where they just pretended that he was dominant. And then he was like winning all of his matches because he was better than everybody. And it was like, no, he's winning all of his matches because his family's helping him and referees are getting bumped at the right time and all these sort of things are happening. This was the first time where as I was watching it, it felt like they were pivoting a little bit towards, okay, yeah, this guy's gotten real lucky for a long time and that luck may have finally ran out. I mean, the guy's entire catchphrase is an admission that he's uh, insecure. He's demanding that everyone acknowledge him. Like that, that the whole root of that is he's insecure. No, but people, but people think that. But people think that it's the opposite. That he's so good because, that he's confident. Because, because okay, they're, they're you know, you know why <laughs> they're stupid. You know why? Because a lot of WWE fans are fucking stupid. That's why <laughs> they don't even understand the story being told. That the guy is insecure. No, they think oh no, he's, and part as Michael Cole telling them how dominant and great. <laughs> right, right. Instead of Michael Cole telling the right story. And now there's this whole movement to get Michael Cole a sports Emmy. Are you fucking oh kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> Michael what Cole? are we doing? No. <laughs> I mean, Michael Cole. 
I mean, he doesn't even tell as, the story properly. As he's screaming, the island of relevancy, <laughs> the Roman Empire. It's like, get out of here. Come on. Watch something. I'm begging you, watch something else. Watch sports. Watch a movie. Watch TV. Watch something. I'm begging you. Come on. As for the rest of this show, massively disappointing. Yeah, everybody um, was on fucking autopilot on this show, man. I mean, Gunther and Matt Riddle was a nothing match. No, that's look, enough, that, th- now, look. Go ahead. They did work it around an injury. So it kind of limited what they were going to do. They were telling a story, Rich, with the Riddle mm. arm injury or whatever. And I, I get it. So you give that one a pass for not being as good as it could have been because they were telling it. But Seth Rollins, Finn Balor was like legitimately a nothing match. That's, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I those, could not believe when that match was over. One, two, three. I was just like, really? Okay. <laughs> those guys are way better than that. Yeah. That match did not deliver at all. Um, Cody and Dom. Dom is a gimmick. He's just a gimmick. He, you know, he's going to do the chicken shit heel thing because that's what he, like, that's the only thing he can do. And that sounds like I'm slighting him, but... And I guess I am, but it doesn't make for an entertaining experience. Oh, he's he's in big boy matches with big boy guys. He's in there with fucking Cody Rhodes. No, we're allowed to say that the guy stinks if he stinks. Yeah, but his character is that he's a chicken shit and he's not good. You know, so I, I get it on one hand. It's not like I'm defending it because it sucks. This match wasn't good or entertaining or fun um, in any way. But, you know, there's somebody, there's a wrestler in the business who, let me let me think of how I can word this. <laughs> Um, they didn't tell me this, but they told someone I know this. And they were like, um, their their whole thing is Dom is great and they would love to work with Dom. And my friend's reply was, yeah, but Dom sucks. Like, why do you want to work with Dom? <laughs> right. right. And this wrestler said, no, but that's it. That's the point. He does suck. That's why he's great. And... Like, so everyone knows that Dom sucks, like, on both a meta level and a real level. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, the, the, the gimmick is that he sucks. It's all wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, the fans think and he his sucks. Gimmick is that, and the gimmick is that he sucks because he does suck, and that's right. the only thing they can do with him. Like, you can't present him in any other way other than his gimmick is that he sucks because he literally does suck. So it's like... Everyone recognizes that. Even people in the business recognize that he sucks. But this wrestler is like, I would love to work with him because I can get so much out of a guy that, like, sucks because his gimmick is that he sucks and he really sucks. It's Anyway, that's neither here nor there. The point is, no one thinks Dom is good except for, like, some of these WWE fans who, like, I don't know. They're watching something different, I guess. Like, they're getting a, they're getting a different experience out of watching... I don't even want to call what this company is wrestling. Like, I don't want to sound like that guy who was writing into the observer in 1986, who refuses to call it wrestling, but it's drifting further and further from pro wrestling. I can't, I I don't know what other way to, 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 to convey, you know, but what Dom Mysterio does is like, on one hand, it's classic pro wrestling. On the other hand, it's nothing. Like, it's the weirdest fucking thing. Yeah, I, I get it. Like, in in another era, stuff. this character would be just like kind of the same thing, but it, it, it but also not the same thing at all. Yeah, if, if, if you I don't know. It's hard to explain. You're, you're you right. Know what he would be? He'd be someone who was good. Who's Pretending to be bad. Was bad. Right, right. Yes. But Dom just sucks. <laughs> so they have not to, good. So yeah. Right. So that's the difference. Like it would be. 
I don't even can't even think of an example. Like maybe Hollywood John Tatum or somebody like that who I don't know. I, I can't even think of it. You get the idea though. It would be right, a right. good wrestler who knows what they're doing doing a gimmick that they suck. Right. And Rhea this deserves guy, a ton of credit too. She is doing a lot of the heavy oh, lifting. She's the, she does all the lifting. She's the key to the act. Yes. If you took her away, this dude is dead. <laughs> dead on arrival. And she's the one getting catapulted. I keep seeing people saying, oh, Dom's going to be the top heel in the company. Dom's going to be in main events. I don't think so. No. I think this is this is working more for Rhea. But here's the thing. The way that this company is now, maybe Dom will be a main event because they're drifting away from. Yeah, it doesn't just, matter. It's such a weird fucking company. But all I know is this Cody Rhodes-Dom thing fucking sucks. No, nah, no good. And I've loved everything Cody has done since he got there. I've been like the Cody cheerleader since he got there. And this was fucking garbage. The ladder matches, look, here's <laughs> Dude, what I got it comes no down to. My eyes are just glazed over as I'm seeing people hit each other on in the in the chest and then do a move off the ladder. I'm like, all right, cool. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so these WWE ladder matches, it's like Santos Escobar and LA Knight get to the ladder. They punch each other. There's two ladders. LA Knight's on one ladder. Santos is on the other ladder. And then Santos Escobar punches LA Knight in the chest and then does a Hurricane Rana. And then Ricochet goes up to the ladder. And then Shinsuke Nakamura goes up to the ladder. And then they hit each other on the back. And then Ricochet does a sunset flip off the ladder. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, it just feels like it's that for 20 minutes or so. You know what I mean? Like, guys doing shit while standing on ladders. I don't know, man. If you look, if you still are into the concept of these ladder matches, you probably thought these were good. If you're burnt out on these ladder matches, you probably didn't. Like Rich, your eyes were glazed over. That's all I can say about both of them. Um, I thought Logan Paul was the clear standout of the men's ladder match. I mean, he just he feels like a big deal, and he feels like a star. And you know, and then physically, he can do things. You know, it's like L.A. Night is over. And feels like a big deal, but he's just such a jag between the bells that I'm not interested in him. People are just into his speech cadence and his promos. That's great. And he's getting over and maybe they'll push him. Maybe they won't. But he doesn't have good matches. He'll never have good matches. No, no, no. There, there's always that limit. To, and for people that's like the first run of, of them, like getting into L.A. Night. And I, I, there's a lot of people I know that are like, hey, what do you think about L.A. Night? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. He's been around forever. Like, he's, you know, it always reaches this point where he because he, he gets over because he can talk his way into the building, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that dude yeah, yeah. as Eli Drake, he could talk, you know, he could get you. But there's always a limit. There was a limit in NXT. There was a limit in Impact. There's a limit in the NWA. There's always a limit to this guy because once that bell rings, once you get him to a certain spot and then that bell has to ring, he can't go to that level. So you can have your fun with, oh, this is good. Here we go. Maybe it's time for him to get a big push, but it's like, okay, you're going to do it. But trust me, it's not going to work because it's just once that bell rings in a big-time match, you can't have LA Knight go for your world title in, in, in main event. You can't main event a SummerSlam. Are you kidding? I, I, but but the, again, it here they could the in this company. They could too. Maybe in this company, it won't matter anymore. But I still think there's there's a limit. Somewhat I think. of a working standard at yeah. the top where you know you still have to be able to have compelling matches and in, in, in the way that they have them here. And, then again, and they could have I, Seth versus LA Knights, and everybody just goes, yeah, and oh, the whole match. Yeah. It's fine, and it's yeah. they love it, so it's whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's I mean, a nine on cage match, and I have no idea what's yeah. going on anymore. And I just go watch my All yeah. Japan Pro Wrestling, so. 
Yeah, fans just making noises at each other. <laughs> right. to people going, yeah. And people going, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, kill me. I hate this so much. Like the whole set thing. I'm like, can the fucking match start already? I know. Like, get in the ring. <laughs> Put your fucking yellow jacket out. <laughs> Give it to a ring guy and get in the fucking ring, man. You know, God. Rich, I'm starting to get, uh, you know, Rich, um, the more I think about this, the more I'm starting to think that this just isn't for us. I think you might be right, I, Joe. You might be on something might here. I think this might just not be for us. Um, and they told a little story in the women's match, right, with the handcuffs and EO finally having enough of Bailey shit. So I guess that was fine. Actually, sure. That's a losing thing. Um, like, there's been no success with <laughs> the Bailey yeah. thing. So EO being like, you know what? Nah, I, I think we're good here. I don't think we do this anymore. Yeah, damage so. control fucking sucks. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in that ditch either. you and your uh, broken knees, and I'm going to go win this ladder match. So bye. Yeah. <laughs> and then she did. Ronda turned on Shayna and not a minute too soon because that match was Oh, how bad was that match? Um, oh, my God. Are there still live Morgan believers? Do they still exist? <laughs> star making. Well, when you have that many star making performances, Joe, I, I think you definitely have to have. Yeah, remember that? Like earnest conversations about star that they made a star. She's had so many star making performances <laughs> that she's basically Dwayne Johnson at this point. Right. right. Like that has to be the case because she's had so many star. Make- but but seriously, does anyone still believe in her? As uh, anything I would. No, I, no. I don't really I, see it. Much. Maybe like horny um, live stan accounts, but other than that, no, nobody else. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I look, and here's the thing: if you're listening for the first time, or you're just dropping in, it's not as if we haven't praised WWE. No, this year they've had great pay per views this year. Yeah, but this one did nothing for me. No, I, I mean, agree. Underwhelming matches up and down the card. And really, your enjoyment level is going to be, if you're into the bloodline, you fucking love that, I'm sure. Um, and if you're into ladder matches, you you probably love that, too. But um, everything else was 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 disappointing. Was, uh, you know, didn't live up. Um, it just felt so, like everybody was kind of a step slow. Like, that main event did nothing for me. And, you know, but, but aside from that, like, Rollins and Balor, that just, like, never, it felt... F- Sue Williams did the review for for Voice of Wrestling.com and just said it felt soulless. And it did. There was no real thought. This is exactly what he says. There's no real thought behind what they were doing. They just did it because it's what you do in a world title match. And that's kind of what it felt like. They were just yeah, yeah, for sure. having for sure, yeah. a world title match. Let's do our moves, do our thing, and then Seth's going to win. And it was just, yeah, it had no no energy, nothing. And I thought the same. I mean, Gunther and Matt Riddle, too. Like, I... That's yeah, the, they were doing the thing with Riddle's wrist and everything. Yeah. Else. So I can kind of give that one a pass because it's like they were building the match around the the injury or whatever. So that was kind of a different thing. Right. Well, and, and it, it was the, ultimately just to give the Drew McIntyre return for, you know, the Gunther Drew yes. McIntyre match, which, you know, will come soon and, and will probably kick ass. Yeah, correct. And it looks like he probably resigned then. So and then the Rollins Balor match. Yeah, it was just a nothing match. Which is weird because I thought the angles coming in were pretty good, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and then and, and and again, it's for some title that no one could possibly care about. I mean, it's just a fabricated, created title <laughs> with no history. But I say that, but their fans, like, they can do no wrong. Like anything they throw at their fans, their fans eat it up. They're just a different breed of fan now, Rich. They. We're going to be more and more disconnected from this. Company it is. Yeah, it's going to it's going to happen more because, yeah, I know I see people all the time being like, oh, it's finally good that Raw finally has a champion again. <laughs> I'm like, what? OK, it's like, oh, that's not the point of these fucking titles. You know, it's like <laughs> right. how many more, you know, and then, then Roman will win this one and then we're going to make another one just to have a fucking another. It's like it's ridiculous, you know, 
Um, so it's hard for me as a fan to give a shit. I don't know. I whatever. This fucking company sucks. Uh, John uh, Cena then came out at, at, during the show too and uh, said that he wants some WrestleMania. Oh, what the fuck was that? Well, that was well. Very good points brought up by Sue Williams in our review at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Is it possible that uh, somebody's a little jealous of Wembley well, Stadium? Of That's a hundred percent what it <laughs> yeah, was. Somebody's they're, they're... upset. And they're probably going to run a WrestleMania there to beat whatever the AEW show Right, and is. get and subsidies probably, for it and get paid to do it. Right. And, and it probably will beat it because it's WrestleMania. They'll make sure it does. They'll make sure they send WrestleMania there, which is guaranteed to beat whatever AEW does because it's WrestleMania. Although with the amount of people they're putting in there, I don't know if it's a guarantee anymore, to be honest. I mean, that's. That show's that's getting be a that's, hard number. Yeah, they're getting about to seventy five thousand. I mean, they are they are very close. We'll probably talk about that in the next couple of weeks. They are very close to setting the all time like legit attendance record in in, in wrestling yeah, history. So it won't it, it won't be a layup. Even if they put WrestleMania there, it won't be a layup. Um, but you know that it, yeah, of course that's what that was. It's something I was thinking about. Do you think they inadvertently helped AEW because the common fan will confuse the two shows and think that WrestleMania <laughs> is? Uh, I don't know. No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't know. It's kind of like how everyone's parents just calls video games Nintendo. I mean, the wrestling is at Wembley, right? WrestleMania is at Wembley because it's wrestling. I, I I think there's a non. It's a non-zero amount of tickets they're going to sell because of John Cena. I'll say that. Okay, that's fair. That someone's going to look up and say, ah, there's that wrestling show going on at Wembley. We uh, should go. WrestleMania yeah. is at Wembley. Yes. Uh, you know, and then take their fucking kids because they think it's what John Cena was talking about. They don't know the fucking people don't know the difference. Rich, my wife doesn't know the difference. You know what I mean? Like to her, it just be everything's fucking WrestleMania. Right. That's why you know? I, I, I always get like I always that. get WWE related gifts like like by my aunts yes. and stuff, they're always like, here you go. Here's this, you know, Triple H DVD compilation. I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> like, you still like yeah. wrestling, right? Yeah, here you go. Here's, you know, thy kingdom come. It's like, oh, great. Thanks. Yeah. It's the one you always bring up. <laughs> you have such I, I remember that because like PTSD I could. PTSD from getting I that. know. And it was just like, oh, thanks. Yeah. They're like, you still yeah. like wrestling, right? I was like, oh, my God. I'm like 30. And my aunt's just like, ah. Like, I'm just thinking of them like shopping for me. You know what I mean? And being like, yeah. he's still in a wrestling, right? And they're like, yeah, I think so. And then, you know, it's yeah. Triple H like on the cover, like flexing with water spitting out of his mouth. And they're like, yeah, let's get him this. It's just like, oh, man. Is that what you think of me, really? Like, man. That's why I don't want why don't you, uh, That's why I don't want Why gifts. don't you sit down and enjoy it one day? Why don't you sit thy down? Thy kingdom come, yeah. Enjoy. Maybe one of these days. Yeah. Enjoy a little thy kingdom come. Why don't you <laughs> Hopefully there's some Randy Orton matches in there to really, uh, you know. Get your juices flowing. Yeah. Oh, can't wait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you listen um, to the uh, press conference? Speaking of Thy Kingdom Come, I'm sure uh, Triple H was asked about several major hit topics uh, during this uh, press conference. I, that they I had, yeah. to- you know, I totally hand waved them now because <laughs> I didn't. I have no fucking... idea what was said. I don't know what was done. No idea. I'm sure nobody asked. Hey, where's your wife? <laughs> is she ever gonna emerge from the public spotlight ever again, or is she gone forever? Uh, why did you vote no on Vince and then vote yes? Uh, yeah, I'm sure all those were asked and, and addressed. And we have a new media dummy, this Steve Fall guy. Have you seen this? Steve <laughs> I Fall? don't know who Steve Fall is, but I think his name is Steve Fall. He works for NBC Boston or some shit. Okay, um, someone in the chat will get the outlet, and I think his name is Steve Fall. He is the new fucking media dummy. Like the other day, he tweeted, uh, 
he, he doesn't understand why people complain about the canned noise on WWE shows ah, because they do right. it on sitcoms. So, yeah, these are the people covering. He's the guy that went to the presser and, and you know, marked out for Damian Priest and said he was so thrilled to be part of the show when they – that's what's in the room. So why would I watch these things? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm never going to watch it's, them. You know, a guy, people like Steve Fall are in the room. It's a, it's a complete buffoonery, you know? I, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, people are so into WWE now, they'll, they'll literally defend anything they do. Like, defending the fake they concede that it's fake noise now they just they they now say it's good ah it's good that there's fake noise right it's it's good oh if it's a bad crowd just fake the noise and you know it's the same experience no but like that's that they def- just defend anything now can we move off of this company i yes, can't let's move let's move there has to be something else to talk about because <laughs> there is well sort of um it's it's kind of about WWE but it's about Longtime legal representative Jerry McDivitt will no longer represent WWE in their ongoing antitrust lawsuit with MLW. McDivitt told WrestleNomics that he is, quote, transitioning towards retirement. Aren't we all? Aren't we all sort of transitioning towards retirement? Uh, But anyway... The actual quote that WrestleNomics got from McDivitt says, quote, as you may know, since early 2022, I have been working towards retirement. I had hoped that the court, not court, the court, uh, would again dismiss MLW's lawsuit as it did the first time. When it did not, and it became obvious that this case would run until at least 2025 in all probability, I advised my client that I would be wrapping things up by year end and that it would make sense for them to secure counsel who can go the distance on the case now that discovery will be starting. There's also a chance that I may be a witness given the allegations. I will be 74 this January, and it just seems like the right time to make necessary transition. We have worked with Paul Weiss uh, on other matters, and they are an excellent firm who I will be hoping to get up to speed. I forget. It was Paul Weiss. Rick, a law, it was like 10 names in, in whatever this uh, 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 law firm was. But ends here saying, it has been a great 36-year run with a great company and Vince McMahon. And I am very proud of all that we accomplished during that time. And I will continue to help them any way that I can. So this is interesting. This is a little juicy here. So Jerry McDivitt, who has been a long time, like 36 years there, 36 years he has been with this company representing Vince McMahon over all the many cases that Vince McMahon has dealt with all throughout the years, <laughs> every one of them, he's been here for the ride. But this one, he's not going to see this one through because he says this is going to take too long and I don't really want to be here for this. But I did find it interesting that last sentence, there was also a chance that I might be a witness given the allegations. So I thought that was an interesting little nugget there uh, that he threw in. Also, obviously crediting Vince, yeah. not saying, you know, Nikon or Paul Levesque or Vince. Great company and Vince. <laughs> so uh, if you had any any doubt who was, you know, in charge of things, it's Vince. But this is so – it's interesting from a few different aspects. Like this is a guy who's been their representative through everything. Everything that that WWE has done, they, he's been with them, but he's bouncing. He, he, has, he doesn't want to hang around for this one, doesn't want to be along. He does say there, though, that it has become obvious that this case would run until at least 2025 and – that discovery will be starting. So this case is still going, which we haven't really talked about this MLW WWE case in a while, but you know, last month WWE wanted, you know, filed a motion to dismiss. The judge denied that. And, you know, MLW is alleging that, you know, WWE interfered in their media deals and that, you know, prevented the company as well as other companies from securing TV deals or media partnerships. And now this thing is, we got timelines on like when discoveries are going to happen, when this hearing is supposed to happen, when these, 
And this stuff's going until July 2024, May 2025. Like, we got a weird, this thing is not going away until somebody pays somebody, and it does not look like WWE wants to pay MLW. I don't know what's going on with this thing, man, but I am stunned that this trial is still happening. This lawsuit, I should say, is still happening. They got a shot at this thing, huh? They got a shot at this thing. Yeah, and like, I don't, are they going to win? I don't know, but man, they're going to take home a lot of money. At some point, at some point during this, WWE is going to say, all right, what do you guys want? Here's the check book. Put your fucking name, put, put, sign it, put the number you need, and let's get this thing over with because, man, I don't know. Yeah. I can't believe it's well, still going. I mean, that just, they thought for a while it was. I mean, it kind of got dismissed. Remember, the one judge said this this lawsuit's stupid. There's nothing here, but said come back with something. MLW, you know, your side, come back with no, something. No, he he said it's good, but I would present it a different way. Right, I think right, that's right. What he said. Yeah, sort sort of in that sense. Like I have to let this. I have to dismiss this, but it's good. So come you back with a little bit more. Here. Yeah, have yeah. something. You, you got something, but you need to do a little bit more with this. They came back, and it's been going and WWE said hey this is stupid this needs to be dismissed and that judge said no this does not need to be dismissed there's something here so it's like well, okay <laughs> uh oh <laughs> that's not good so I, I love that I, I love that the bunny beating Roman Reigns head to head is like part of the WWE's defense of uh, their <laughs> right, right. look we're not that good the bunny beat us <laughs> the fucking the, the yeah. bunny <laughs> yeah um, nah, they, you know, MLW's got a chance at this thing, you know, they really do. Oh my God. Court. You think they're just holding out for like some oh, nominal yeah. payments? Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. To keep them, keep them alive another three years or whatever. Absolutely. Um, cause those, those, so, court, the, I, I think WWE thought that they could just keep these guys in court for long enough that court would, you know, run out of money or whatever. And I don't, for some reason, MLW hasn't done that yet i i don't i don't know i don't know the ins and outs of this i don't know law enough but it's like i think wb thought okay these guys eventually the judge is going to laugh about this and throw them out or mlw is going to run out of money and just say all right you know we'll settle for pennies on the dollar or whatever but they're not going anywhere the judge is keeping this thing alive mcdivitt's like fuck this i'm out i'm not sick sticking around till 2025 uh, uh for this i i don't know man it's weird this thing can't yeah. get to discovery right because that's going to be bad. <laughs> that's not going to be good. I mean, I don't know. <sighs> yeah, there you go. MLW, WWE lawsuit. But uh, Russellnomics had that. Uh, so so credit to them. Getting quotes from the man himself, Jeremy McDivitt. Uh, of course, WWE's longtime uh, lawyer there. But but Joe, the, the world of MLW, as we know, does not stop. So let's quickly go over Never Say Never. They have a show July 8th from the famed 2300 Arena, the former ECW Arena. It is available on Fight Plus, which you can subscribe to at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Fight. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Fight. Your main event, Alexander Hammerstone versus Alex Kane for the MLW World Heavyweight title. Uh, MLW World Tag Team Championship match. Uh, fans bring the weapons. The Samoan SWAT team. Not that one. Lance Anawai and Juicy Finale versus The Calling, Akira and Ricky Shane Page. That sounds like my hell. God, I don't want I went to that a, match at all. God, help I me. Went to a fans, I went to a fans bring the weapons match in Lake Hiawatha, New Jersey in 1996. Yeah. And I brought a, uh, a Sega Genesis console. And... Um, they, they they used it in the match and then after the match we're leaving and I see the 
the indie wrestlers there, like looking over it, like rubbing their chins. And I'm like, guys, it doesn't work. I promise you, I wouldn't have brought one that worked. Oh, they were thinking we're going to take know? this thing home. <laughs> I'm going to be playing. Yeah. Some so- I'll get Sonic 2 fired up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, why would I bring a working? I was going to say, I don't like the idea that you brought a working Genesis, but I'm glad it wasn't. Uh... Yeah. So, you know, but there they were rubbing their chins. Like, oh, let's hook this up and see if this bad boy works. No, it does not work. So um, maybe someone will bring a Sega Genesis console for the calling to uh, Samoan SWAT team. By the way, juicy for now, not Samoan, by the way, not Samoan. Ah, well, is, uh, cl- close enough <laughs> in, in the world of professional wrestling, close enough to be Samoan, I guess. So um, not even build from Samoa. No, not even build from, <laughs> anywhere near there. Uh, no. Yeah, he's Tongan, he, I believe. I believe you are right. Yeah. So I, I guess that's. Yeah, close enough. I believe they. I is he just from? He's just like from California, though, right? Oh, like was he born in Tonga? I'm not I, even I sure he was I've born. Been... I think I think he is Tongan, but I think he's just like yeah. from California. He's not Samoan. No, no matter what it is, it's not Samoan. Yeah, regardless of where he's from or whatever it is, it is not Samoan. So you hype for that Lance Anaway, uh, 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 Noah. What's the name of their fucking and one? It's getting late. Are you ready for his N1 one uh, or no. what? <laughs> no, that? I am not. No? Not really. Okay. No. Uh, no. Just asking questions, Rich. I'm Lance just asking NOI. questions. Lance NOI, not that great. Uh, speaking of, uh, well, great, but maybe not that great of a human, uh, Jacob Fatu will be defending the uh, National Openweight Championship against Calvin Tankman. Yeah, but Court is the Fatu whisperer. Mm-hmm. He is the he is the whisperer of all problematic wrestlers. Low-key, Teddy so, Hart. I mean, yeah. Any, any... A whole gang. You know, and, and Fatu shows up for these matches. So uh, he'll be there. He'll be there defending that national title against Tankman. Now, if you're running a charity show and you send him a deposit, <laughs> eh, eh, it's a crapshoot. But uh, <laughs> he'll be there on the 8th. I will say that man has the worst luck with family emergencies. Let me tell you. He, he's got yeah, yeah, a lot of family emergencies that come up, which is, is it's unfortunate. But uh, they, they seem to spring up a lot. But... Uh, Oh, good for him. Uh, defending the national point title against Calvin Tankman. Uh, winner take all MLW World Women's Featherweight Championship and the WXW Women's Championship will be on the line. Uh, Delmi XO versus Ava Everett. Winner take all. All the stars. All, all the, the stars. stars and all the titles. The, all the titles. Yes, I'm looking forward to this. prestigious MLW World yeah. Women's Featherweight Championship. Where would <laughs> you put... Uh, Delmi Exos, who I believe is the champion, where would you put her reign? Uh, as far as um, oh, okay, compared to Taya Valkyrie, above it. Okay, because there's only Easy two. Answer. Yeah, so I wanted. Yeah, yes. a tough question, but yeah, is Delmi better than Taya? Uh, it's close. It's close. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. The, the World Women's Featherweight Championship. Yes. So, um, then we have country whipping match: Sam Adonis versus Mance Warner. I got to be honest, I, I am not caught up. You're not caught the, up on uh, the world of ML Dub? I am not caught up on the fusion. Um, I can't speak to what led to this encounter because I, I have, I'm not caught up on the television. Frankly, it feels like Adonis should probably just, he, he feels like a guy that could be at the, the, the wrong end of a country whipping match no matter what. So. I feel like he's going to lose that, yes. Yeah. I, I can't see Mance Warner losing a country whipping match. No. A county. It's a county whipping match. Oh, I, I think I, I think I misspelled. Yes, it's not, I don't think it's a county whipping match. I believe it's is a it country. The, maybe it's, 
is it the cunty whipping match? Like, like you got to call the guy a cunt. Maybe what? What's uh? Do you do you know the county that the uh, twenty three hundred arena is in? I don't know where Philadelphia. I don't know my Pennsylvania counties, but uh, Bucks County, maybe I don't know. I'm sure Sean Cedor is in the chat. Yeah, if somebody could let us know, perhaps it is that. You know, it's that county. You know, it's a very famous whipping match from that sort of county. But it's probably country, and I maybe misspelled it in our uh, run sheet there. But uh, so to this day, there's two wrestlers that my wife enjoys. The first one is Ronda Rousey. She hears that Joan Jet and she comes flying into the wow, room. Okay. Oh, Ronda's still? on? Still. Yes, yeah, still. Ronda's on? Is that Ronda? I'm like, yes, that's Ronda. She she will sit down and watch Ronda. Now she may not stay for the whole match. She does get bored and then call me a dork and leave. But if she hears bad reputation, she will come into the room and see what's going on with Ronda. She for whatever reason. The other one is Mance Warner because she says, and I quote, He's like every guy I went to high school with who still lives in Caldwell. Yep. So that appeals to her. Good old Mancer. Yeah. She's like, she, he reminds me of every guy I went to high school with who still lives in that town. (laughs) Right. Goes to the same bar, hangs out with the same people. Right. Correct. Which is his gimmick, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Uh, Microman in the main event versus Jesus Rodriguez. That's the former Ricardo Rodriguez. And the FBI, Little Guido and Ray Jazz. Listen, I need to know which main event this is. And there's like three tag there's, teams I believe. Around. Okay, let me make sure which one this is. You're right. There are a there's couple the, main there's events. The, there's the circus-themed main event. <laughs> right. There's, uh, you know, there's the main events. And then maybe there's only two. But I think uh, there's only two. Yeah, I think this is. I think one retired, like the guy retired. I think there's only one main event now. Um, oh, you're right. You're right. The one, I think the one is done. But this is. Uh, this is the team, I believe, of man. I don't actually don't know if this is that team. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Jay Lyon and Midas Black. That's the main event. I don't believe that's. Oh, the... oh, that one. Oh, yeah, of okay. course. I know that that probably clears up well for you. Yeah. Um, but I believe I, I honestly I don't remember if this is the no. This is the circus performer ones. I think. Oh, okay. I think right. I don't remember now, but there are. Yes, there are. it is. I remember seeing them on Fusion. Yeah, it is. right, right, right. Yeah. Well, I think both teams were circus themed, but one is more heavily circus themed. <laughs> right. One has like a top hat. Like this is the one where the guy has the top hat and the cane, and the other, yeah. Is and then this there's the one where the one guy jumps through the ring. Yes, and does the yes, flip? I believe so. Yeah, yes. That, yeah, that's yeah. Okay. Uh, apparently, Philadelphia is in Philadelphia County. So. All right, that makes sense. There you go. Uh, what do you think of Ray Jazz? Is he uh, is is this a uh, a wink wink nudge nudge Italian or, or uh, I don't I don't know anything about Ray Jazz. Rich, we're three ten in. I don't have any thoughts on Ray Jazz. <laughs> Ray I gotta Jazz? be honest. You have no Ray Jazz I, thoughts. I, I I have no thoughts on Ray Jazz. Yeah, I gotta, he, he, I gotta watch the TV. I won't lie. I, uh, looks looks Italian. I, I would buy that man's Italian. All right. Um, What's that's a boy? Wait, what do you mean by that? Well, just, yeah, trust me. Look up Ray Jazz. You'll see him. He looks Italian. Do it later. Do it Let later. Me see if I'm- let me see if I'm going to be offended here. No, you're not. He looks like a good Italian boy. Let's see. That man looks very Italian. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, there's no doubt yeah, that he's Italian. That's, <laughs> this is one Guido motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. This guy. Uh, so I'm glad he's, they found a, they found a fully blooded Italian for the FBI. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Are you on his Instagram? Is, uh, there's a there's a picture of him in like high school, and he's the most Italian looking kid you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, the most Jersey <laughs> Italian-looking kid you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Apparently, he worked two hundred five live as Ray Jazakov. Okay, 
I thought it said Ray Jagoff, and I was like, "That's <laughs> I like a great it. That's, Italian that's a, gimmick." Yeah, that's a really, uh, you know, really brash two hundred five live gimmick, but but I appreciate it. Like, look at this Jagoff. Yeah, that Ray been great. Jagoff. Yeah, but it's Jazikoff. Yeah, he's yeah. This Ray Jagoff, <laughs> pretty like, Italian. Yeah, this is, uh, also appears to not own sleeves. I, I, there's no pictures of him wearing sleeves at any point in his life. So uh, he's which, like, he's every one of my cousins who's a Yankee fan. <laughs> He's yeah. he's a guy when I go back to New Jersey, still talking about Derek Jeter. That's what that's what this <laughs> that's guy. That's Ray is. Jazz, yeah, yeah. Oh God, I'll go as quick as possible here. Willie Mack versus O'Shea Edwards versus Ken Broadway versus Nolo uh, Kitano versus Love Doug Scramble match, great. Ishiban versus oh TJ God, Carter. It's, it's 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 Ken Broadway. Who do you remember the GCW twenty four hour gimmick during the pandemic? Yes, and Ken, Ken Broadway wrestled on every fucking hour of that thing <laughs> yes, to the did. point. Yes, he did. Where I never wanted to see Ken Broadway ever wrestle again, and here we go. I'm gonna have to watch fucking. Wait a minute, is Love comma Doug one wrestler? Love comma Doug is one wrestler. Yes, I really got to catch up on my ML dub because yeah, I don't you, know. You, what's yeah, going you don't on know who this. Love comma Doug is, and. Um, no. He's pro wrestling's Cupid, is what it says here. He, he appears That's, to have a, okay, a Cupid I, gimmick. Yes, I hate him already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he. I've never seen him, but I am positive you hate him. I I hate Love, comma Doug. What an awful, awful. <laughs> I hate him, and I don't even know what he looks like, how he works. He might be Toshiaki Kawada for all I know. Between the bells, I, I hate. Don't think so, but you never know. Uh, Ichiban versus TJ Crawford, Tiara James versus Becca spelled with a doesn't, three. Doesn't T doesn't TJ Crawford play shortstop for the Mariners? <laughs> like, it, yes, he's, he's moonlighting as a professional wrestler now. Yeah, TJ Crawford. <laughs> Crawford. Tiara James versus MLW, I <laughs> apparently uh, Tiara James versus Becca with a three. The E is a three, of course. Uh, Gene Snisky, yes, that one versus TBA, the always dangerous TBA. Couldn't find a booking always yet. Dangerous. Always listen, dangerous, though. Know. Never knew who's going to come through that curtain recent, there. Listen, based on recent history, that's probably Satoshi Kojima. That's my guess because he's always the mystery guy, Kojima. It's going to be Snitsky in there. <laughs> as strong as arm, baby. I'll pop. I'll pop, too. Oh, yeah. Doing the, that I'm doing man's it. a former MLW world champion. I'm doing it right now. That's going to be a big spot there in the 2300 arena. Gets that yes. elbow pad going. Yeah, let's do this thing. All-time theme. Oh, it's what, so you know, good. One day I'm going to put together the brackets for the all-time theme. Make it interactive thing for the listeners. And um, I, I hope that makes a run to the Sweet 16. I think it would probably get knocked off at that point. It would something. get knocked out. Yeah, somebody would vote. But, but they'd be wrong. They'd be wrong. Like the demolition theme will beat it or something, but I, I would I really would like to see it make a make a nice run. Uh the second gear crew, uh, Matthew Justice, one called Manders versus the calling. Another the calling. Uh this time it's Delirious and Dr. Cornwallis. Yeah, good to see Delirious finding some work, yeah. huh? Yeah, Hunter. All right. Old Hunty find <laughs> finding another gig, so anyway, good for him. Also, uh this weekend, real quickly before we depart here from the show. Uh, RevPro, Epic Encounter 2023, your call, July 9th. Uh, Great Ocon versus Michael Oku is your main event, RevPro. Undisputed British heavyweight title match. Excited for that one. This is the final stop on the road to Copper Box, Rich, mm-hmm. is what this is. 
uh, Ocon could lose that. He, he very definitely well could. could lose that. He definitely could. Did uh, you know that he is undefeated? Did you know that? I do know that. Gideon Gray will remind you. Hell yeah, he if will. If you weren't aware that he is undefeated. I would like him to win this and then lose it in the big on the bigger show. But I haven't seen any of the June Rev Pro. I'm caught up through May. So um I gotta catch up on the June Rev. I don't know how many shows they even ran, to be honest, in June. But I know that that's it. Basically, this this York Hall, this York Hall show is it until the uh the big show in the copper box, which is at about twenty three hundred tickets sold right now with with only one match announced yeah they'll announce more matches after this show when there's more clarity on um they ran a couple shows in june i don't know if any of them were big shows but um and i guess they just ran live in london uh two days ago or whatever um didn't seem to be much on it leighton buzzard versus oku was the main event um, Leon Slater versus Callum Newman. I'll check that out. That might be good. Anyway, um, this is the uh, last stop on the road to the Copper Box. Yep. So, oh, always uh, the New York Hall shows are always definitely uh, wor- worth. I wait. Watching. I don't even think that's true. When is the when is the Copper Box show? Uh, that's August second, second to last week of August, or last week of August for sure. All right, there's a couple more stops, but the, the, yeah, the point, last the, big the, stop, the last stands. major yeah. stop on the road there. <laughs> How about that? Yes, yes. Uh, Rev Pro undisputed British tag team titles: Greedy Souls, Brendan White, and Danny Jones defending against Subculture, Flash Morgan, Webster, and Mark Andrews. Obviously, uh, no longer part of WWE, so they're making the rounds again, uh, and that's good. You know that 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 I think helps the scene a lot. Having guys like that, you know, being able to come back and 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 be in big spots. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Greedy Souls versus Subculture. That should be uh, pretty fun. They. They've had some good matches and impact. Yeah, they have. Yeah. And Flash Morgan Webster has dropped the fucking uh the the fucking um um Austin Powers gimmick. He doesn't do the fucking mod mod shit with the fucking <laughs> with the dopey Pete Rose haircut. Yeah. And the, uh, stupid you know, glasses and <laughs> stupid glasses. Thinking he's from another fucking decade. Uh, are there are there people running around in England that still do that? Like uh, you're asking the wrong like, guy. I, I don't know. Non ironically, like like non ironically. I don't. I don't. Or is think it more? So. I don't. Or is it more so. like a Halloween outfit? I think it's a Halloween like, outfit. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, then they go groovy, baby. <laughs> you're like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah. They do a really terrible Austin Powers impression. You're like, okay, <laughs> great, cool. Well, wasn't he like mocking that? Like, I don't think yes. they really say. I don't. Yes, it I was. Uh, the movie was indeed supposed to be tongue in cheek. I believe is is uh, a, it was a <laughs> yeah. mock up. I, I believe. I believe. I, I think it was a uh, comedy film. I that think was that a comedy was film. not supposed to be an authentic uh, representation of the. You know the what English I still people. pop for to this day, though. I will tell you, when he's in the fucking golf cart. In the oh, hallway, I was about to say the golf cart around. scene. Yeah, the golf cart yeah, scene, and it goes I'm on sorry, so much longer. It's it yeah. goes on so much longer than you think, and that's what makes it good. You're like, okay, the joke's done. We get it. And then it, it goes on, and it go, and then it gets funny again. You're like, okay, it's funny again. <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah. Like a lot of people like to talk about Doctor Evil and all that shit. No, I pop for the golf cart in the hallway. That's still yeah. funny. Oh yeah, because that's that's it's subtleish humor. You know what I mean? And then it just lasts forever. It's never ending, and that's where it gets. Yeah, it, it, it's a great scene. Yeah, all time great scene. Uh, Repro undisputed British cruiserweight title: Robbie X versus Connor Mills. Robbie X has been good. I'm right. telling you, Connor Mills too. He's been good. 
changed his whole changed his whole thing. Yeah, that's right. One of the most improved wrestlers in the world. I think it's time for a title switch there. But um, those are two guys who have really upped their game. Uh, then we have Southside Women's Title, Rev Pro Undisputed British Women's Title, Unification, Four-Way Elimination Match. You got all that? Alex Windsor. Now, long overdue. I mean, to, to, oh. to unify these fucking titles. We've been, how long have we been saying that? As long, Almost as long as the show's existed, we've said, can we unify the Southside Women's Title and the Rev Pro Undisputed <laughs> British Women's <laughs> Title? Come on. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> right? Come on. I mean, I was being, I was being like serious, but yeah, oh. that's good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're being facetious here. We've <laughs> unified all the others. Like, what are we waiting for here? But uh, Alex Windsor, Sky Smithson, Danny Luna, and Hyon will be here. Four-way elimination match. So yes. I imagine it comes down to the two champions, Windsor and, and, and Smithson, to, to decide who's going to unify this. But we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Jordan Breaks. And then and we'll Will Ospreay what... versus Leon Slater. I want to put those two together because that's an interesting bookings for both those guys. Yeah, and I think we're going to find out what Saber's doing at Copper Box probably after this show. Um, they got Tom Lawlor on this show against Luke Jacobs, which Jacobs is another guy. He's like, I'm telling you right now, he's like a mini Walter. He's just, I've been so blown away by his work this year. He's another one along with, like, who's one of the most improved guys around. Yeah. So, you know, there'll be a lot of clarity, hopefully, on the Copper Box show. And they'll announce some more matches after this. But um, this will probably look. The York Hall shows, with or without, have they run without Osprey this year? I can't remember. But basically, they, they've they been doing you know, around 1,000, maybe a couple hundred, 800, 900 for these shows. They're drawing pretty well. Um, this one should draw well uh, as well with the you know Okan-Oku match and Osprey and Zack Sabre Jr. being on the show. Um, it just shows you what poison the Progress brand is now. Because oh, dude, they can't you know, get they announced anybody the copper... to go to their shows, man. Nobody cares. Yeah, they announced the Copper Box show, and everybody knows that it's going to be built around Osprey, and they sell like you know eighteen hundred tickets or whatever it is. Then they announce Osprey Shingo, and now they're like around twenty two, twenty three hundred tickets, right? These shows in your call always do around a thousand fans, give or take a hundred fans here or there. I don't think they're really packing it the way they were pre pandemic, but it's close. And then Progress announces Will Osprey. And they draw 208 fans with Osprey announced. Like, and it shows you what poison that brand name is because Osprey's drawing for these Red Pro shows. And it, it, no one, it, like, they just, Progress has whatever they have left in terms of fans. And that's who's going no matter what. And they undoubtedly lost their ass on that show because I'm sure Osprey held them over a barrel. First of all, with the Paul Robinson stuff, he basically blackmailed him to get on the fucking show. And I'm sure he held him over a barrel fucking rate wise to, to, to work it. Cause he's annoyed at them. And, uh, you know, and, and then they still, they draw 208 fans. And I know it's 208 because a friend of mine over there took a picture of the fucking clicker at the door that said 208. So it was exactly <laughs> yeah. 208 fans that that show drew. Um, but anyway, uh, this show will probably draw the usual right about a thousand. And then we'll find out, um, uh, you know, what's going on with the Copper Box show, which, um, you know, when they start out some more, that's another big show that we'll be talking about in August, you know, which is basically the um, the one key piggyback show to the to the Wembley show. So I think it's a day before. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have a lot with well, the schedules of all those shows, all the piggyback shows of, of all the major events up at uh, voice right now as well. SummerSlam all in. 
uh, and all out and and yeah all in there's not a great lineup of stuff going around but that rev pro show does feel like the lone exception there that that's like that looks like a really really good show um so yeah if you're traveling to the area that's one that you're definitely gonna want to go to but you know where it stands now you don't know a whole lot of matches but yeah i i agree with you that after this epic encounter we probably will have a much better idea uh, of what's gonna go ha- uh, what's gonna go on at that show. So July 9th, your call. Uh, Ruffro's got their streaming service. So if you want to watch that live this weekend, you can do that. It's also on demand. But uh, that's July 9th for RefPro Epic Encounter. And that is it for us here on the flagship podcast. Thank you guys, of course, for sticking with a few little technical difficulties here and there uh, earlier in the show. But we got it all together. Got the full three hours and we are good to go. So uh, VoiceWrestling.com for previews, reviews, columns, uh, Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe to that as well as each show's uh, individual feed. Uh, VoiceWrestling.com slash Discord. Uh, and then, of course, flagship patreon.com, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, voices of wrestling.com slash patreon. If you want even more uh, content from Joe and I, we are doing that there. Uh, Thursday Dynamite Reviews, you did a review roulette talking about you know the differences between AEW Collision on AEW Dynamite. I did a piece about DJ Ran, WCW's house DJ in 1999. That is up there as well. We got audio series, November to Remember. I got my Sky's the Limit Cruiserweight Classic series. I got my AWF series. We got a ton of stuff up there uh, that we're doing, as well as the live flagships, live instant reactions, all that stuff available uh, for you over at flagshippatreon.com. Uh, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling and voices of wrestling.com slash patreon so uh follow us on all these dumb twitter clones that we're not going to really post on and just post links to but uh, hey follow us anyway uh and that's it for us so that is joe i'm rich we will talk to you next time on the flagship podcast take care hello voices of wrestling listener dave ryan here have you ever wondered to yourself how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of world championship wrestling Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.